There are great ideas undiscovered, breakthroughs available to those who can remove one of truth's protective layers. There are places to go beyond belief because there lies human destiny. If, they, if some new <coughs> revolutionary tech is discovered, it's going to be kept secret for a long time because they don't want, they don't actually want markets being revolutionized or changed. They want things to continue at a certain pace. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. We are going to be chatting with the one and only Jay Dyer a little bit later from Jay's Analysis. And, uh... We got our Kiwi friend, Nathan. Oh, no, I guess he's not. Are you a Kiwi now or are you an Aussie? I'm, I'm Australian, by, Australian by nationality, but I live in New Zealand. I thought hey, I could tell, I'll tell you what, between that You accent. can be a Canadian <laughs> as far as we're concerned. You're a American Canadian. Canada, it's too bad you couldn't get citizenship through America somehow. Well, Canada's like my second home. So That's right. Yeah. And we got fucking Grandma Two Knuckle Deep Dunlop. How's the finger, buddy? It's getting better. It feels better. Less pain. Is it? Yeah. How long's it been? Since what? Since you got it on? Since, I, I don't know, Friday? Since Friday? Oh, is four, that five days? Been... Four days? Five oh, so days? we haven't talked about it on the regular show yet. Yeah, I think we did. did Friday, because Friday. Oh, that's was, right. I think. I'm not sure. That's right. I think, I it, yeah. So I have a little. still all buggered up. I have a little, uh, what do you call it? A, a, a splint for my finger. For seven weeks? We'll see. I think it's healing really fast. She doesn't uh, think it was going to, the doctor didn't think it was going to heal, but I think it's almost ready already. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you if you take that <laughs> off right now, your finger just falls limp on the floor. Have <laughs> <laughs> you been doing raking it and stuff? No. Well, kind of. Just visualizing the tendons healing together. Mm. I figured that might help. Can't hurt. Definitely can't hurt. Do you know what a tendon looks like then? Or you I just, just like, think a little like <laughs> squiggly, wormy looking thing. <laughs> connecting you yeah. so you're just visualizing like worm kisses all day yeah right on cool so how did you say who we are who we're having on today did you say jay dyer yeah yeah, yeah. keep that up that was a fun one <laughs> that was a fun one yeah jay's great we'll probably have him on again down the road or maybe on maybe we'll have him on the black budget one day and really get political yeah maybe because we actually managed to brush away from it pretty well yeah here. we did yeah it was pretty it was pretty solid it wasn't too uh polarizing and dogmatic yeah, that's right shouldn't be any hate mail so i'm pretty excited i got a st- yeah, i got know. stories from we the c seti sleepover last weekend okay what kind of jingle do you play for a c seti sleepover let's go with hmm. we're gonna start on it get on it right away and there's an all-in believer in chemtrails is that one no Nathan says no. Okay, well, let Nathan get No, it doesn't work. Okay, you can choose between the UFO quote jingle or Grimerican goodies. No, what about the what about the one about the sighting one? Oh, of course. Where they walk in the living room? Yeah, this one. <laughs> I forgot this existed, actually. The channel? That's awesome. Page two again, right? We I always forget the page two jingles. And it wasn't until after the events happened and it disappeared to the south in the darkness that we went inside. We stayed outside for a couple seconds, and we went inside. 
and she sat on the couch and I went to the bar and I sit on the stool and I took my glasses off <laughs> and we stared at each other for 5, 10, 15 minutes, who knows. And I got up and I wanted to go back outside and as I grabbed the door I looked my wife right in the eye and I said, we just saw our first UFO. And she looked at me back and she goes, I know. I saw it. I know. I know. I know. Okay. There we go. So yeah, we had the, you know, it's a new moon, right? Dark sky, which is great. Had our planned. I think you just our, named like two Twilight movies. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> so I many of them after this. So, oh, I got to remember one part of this. That was the craziest part of the story. Anyway, so we planned okay, the we C-SETI. We give you the floor, bro. We, we give you the floor. Okay, we planned wait, the C-SETI. Wait, oh, come on. That's the lamest thing ever. Okay, so we so we plan the C-SETI instead of our nightly thing, right, or monthly thing where we go out and meditate and look at the sky and try and make contact. We went to do a sleepover, right? So we drive a little bit farther out, and some guy had a, a plan on where to camp, right? He had some other friends there camping. So we met them out there at the campground. It's about like an hour and a half um, northwest of Calgary. Actually, quite a forested area. Way, way, way more forested than I, than I thought it would be. Kind of reminded me of BC North, a bit. Northwest of Calgary. Yeah, yeah. Like out past Cochrane, way out past. Yeah, Cochrane. like forty clicks past Cochrane, then twenty five or thirty clicks west. Like, yeah, that's bush. yeah, the yeah. Bush. There's like the the uh, the quarters and some of those I, guys camping out there. So there's camping nodes, and it's yeah, part of the government like campground. Wipress, right? Is it in Wipress? No, I don't Wipress think so. Valley, maybe. W-A-A-W-A-I-P-O-R-O-U-S. I think it's part of the Ghost Reservoir, which is... Ghost Lake Reservoir? Yeah, Ghost Lake. Like, you know, that part of that whole... Obviously, the very northern point to that. Anyway. Anyways. So, we found this where, you know, where we're going to sort of pitch our tents and camp, and some people are just <laughs> sleeping in cars. <laughs> <laughs> pitch and tent means something different in my day. <laughs> And some people had a trailer there, and some people were sleeping in their cars. Like, it, there wasn't many of us, right? Really good group of people, right? Met a new met a new friend, Randy. Big shout out to Randy. And then Jason and Celia and Jan and Celia's mom was there. Really, that's so there's six of us, right? So we went down the road to see where a better place would be, because it was some campers kind of nearby. So we were wanted to be the only on tenter? A, uh, no. Jason no. had a tent. Did you have the smallest tent? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. So we went down the road about 13 kilometers to find, we found this little area. Actually, there was some cows grazing there and stuff. And we saw wild horses too, actually. Wild ponies. Yeah, really cute by ponies. The cows? Were they wild, by the cows? No, no, no. They were on the back. Sounds a lot like a farm. So we found this cool little place where you had a bit of a view, like a view to the east. And we thought, okay, well, we'll come here and do do it, right? So we went back and kind of, you know, pitched our tents and got ready. And then we'll try went back there for the night for the, for the event. I brought us, I brought a singing bowl this time and we, and Celia had actually had a book and we're, there was a meditation in the book and I decided to read that meditation. So we all got set up and it's just getting dark, probably around 10 o'clock or something. And we were chit chatting about our sightings and stories and stuff like that, which we figured later on it would help. And then we did the meditation and I did the singing bowl and then shit starts happening right away. Pow. Pow. Like streakers coming down. Streakers? Yeah. Like streaking? Yeah. Like Will Ferrell streaking? A lot of like 
you know, oh, supposed, like supposed satellites, or, you know, legend, legend satellites. Actually, that's what it's what we were calling them. But nothing that leaves low Earth orbit. So that can't be the case, right? Is that where you're going next? They can't be satellites because no, not at all. Do you guys use like Sputnik when you're doing it? Uh, no, actually, we sometimes do, but we had no service out there. But we were using the Skyview app for sure. So. Darkest night, most stars I've ever seen. Like, it was beautiful. Milky Way, unbelievable. Crystal clear. It was awesome. So we started seeing streakers right away, which is like a shooting star, but it's uh, it's you could see the red flame and the orange. Like, there was colors, and it was orange and red, and a couple of them came down, all the way down the sky. Like, that was pretty crazy. But still, you know, support, and, you know, the satellites cruising around. We started seeing flash bulbs. And at one point, we were all we all saw it. Hey, poosh, big flashbulb, right? And we're all like, "Hey, there it is! There it is!" And we all start looking at it. Do it again! Do it again! Poosh, does it again? We're all like cheering, and and it went on like seven times, like these flashbulbs. And we were trying to pick up like what, what, when are these sightings happening? Right? So it seemed to be like when we were telling stories about each other's sightings and stuff, shit would happen, right? Or when I played a singing bowl, like streakers would happen. So we ended up seeing one flashbulb like 49 times. And so there was multiple flashbulbs. And then we saw a light come through within airspace. Like it felt, felt cl- closer than a plane, like a small, let's say if it was a small plane, right? Super bright light cruising in silently. We're all just like, look, what is that? What is that? It's, <laughs> we're all trying to like, you know, like give us a sign, give us a signal. And it's, it looked like it was wobbling by. And it's just silent, and it cruised all the way across the sky, silently, slowly. And that same thing came back about an hour and 40 minutes later, closer even still. And it wasn't, I'm telling you, like, it wasn't a plane. Don't know what it was, didn't really, like, do any flashing that time or anything like that. It was just, like, silently flying by in, in, in close airspace. Close airspace? Like, yeah. 10 feet? No, 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 like, like, yeah, a thousand feet, something like that. It's hard to tell. It really was hard to tell. Of course, it was super dark. You know, we saw a ton of supposed satellites as well. Some of them doing weird maneuvers. Like they weren't just in fast walkers and going all over the place. More flash bulbs. Like there was a ton of activity. Mm. And then we saw one. So then this car pulls up on the side of the dirt road and they, and because we were at our laser pointers out, like everybody had laser pointers, so we'd point at things, right? Like, yeah, there's a look over there, look over there. There's a flash bulb coming back or whatever, right? Can you see the laser in space? Oh, yeah, all the way up to all what? Where do you see the laser? You can see the laser like shining all the way up to the sky. Yeah, you can, you can point it? to a star, and the laser you could follow the laser to a star. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So. You got to be careful. You can't do it in airspace. Like, we're on nose hill. You got to be very careful if you're doing it around airplanes. I wonder if it was the Hawk, the the stealth helicopter in close airspace. No. You guys are fucking pointing your laser pointers at airplanes. So, this is what we were thinking. So, (laughs) so, so we had our laser pointers going, and this car pulls up, and these guys get out, and we're like, just be quiet. Okay, what are they going to do? Gotta get over. What are they going to do? Trying to whisper, but it's not coming through. And then 
we're like, did they see the laser pointer? What are they going to do? Are they going to yell out to us? Are they like, we didn't know if they were just other campers or if it was like a, a park range. Like, not that we're in a park, but it could be an authority figure, an authoritarian figure, a government. It could be government. It could be the government. So they get out of their truck, and then, and then we see another light, bright light, twist around and turn, and then and then dim, and. uh, and then go and stop and then start again and go off. And we we're like, what the hell? And, they, and then they got up in their car and drove away. Like, so right in the middle of us trying to freak, we're freaking out about this little, these guys stopping on the side of the road. We see this fucking UFO above them. And we're all like, look, 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 look. we're trying to be quiet because they're right there. And we're like, look, 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 oh, they, look. those people didn't know you were there. You were hiding from them. Well, I don't think they saw us because it was quite dark where we were. We were probably like uh, two or 300 yards from the road. Okay. Yeah. Oh. And there was like powering up. There was some that would power up, like. Yeah. So then, so then, then it gets weird at the end of the night. So that was like all kinds of sightings, right? Now the weird one, uh, I won't tell you. I'll tell you what it's not. So it's so this is towards the end of the night. We're trying to get ready to leave, right? And this guy points over to the horizon. So directly to, I would think, probably the east. No. The north. I think it was the north. And he's like, what is that? And I'm looking at it, and I had this intuition of what it was right away. And I won't tell you guys that yet. But I was like, no, no, it's not that. It looks like this amorphous blob of green-blue energy. Like, I was like, what is that? And it was right on the horizon. Through the, there's a, some trees, like the horizon is trees as well and stuff, right? And it's coming through, coming on the horizon. And I, I stood up and I sort of ran a little closer and I was, we were sort of trying to communicate with it. We're like, and there was a flashbulb happening near it as well, which was really interesting. So we were trying to say, are you like, is it like, it looked like green and blue energy streams, like energy streams or a blob. Like it looked like something physical. And I was like, what is that? And we were all sort of flipping out. Like, what is it? I expected it to come closer or something. And, uh, and we're, we're, we're asking what it was. And then the flash would come on. If we knew like the flash bulb would, would go off as we'd ask questions. And then at the end, I'm like, we're like, are you the Pleiades? Like, is it the, are you the Pleiades? And then the guy said, one of the guys said something and the flashbulb went off again. And anyways, my initial reaction to it was, it was the Pleiades, right? Because we were looking for the Pleiades before and Taurus the Bull because it's that really faint cluster of stars that it's hard to focus on, it's hard to see. So what what this thing was, and it must have been coming through the the horizon or the northern lights or something, it was Pleiades rising, the rise of Pleiades, the constellation, uh, over the horizon. What time was this? Like 2.30 probably. You guys didn't get much sleep, did you? No. But I mean, honestly, that was the most weirdest hallucinatory thing I've ever, I was, I was like sure that it was this blob of green and blue energy. Huh. Cause you know how when a moon rises on the, on the horizon and it looks big, when right? A moon or when the moon? A moon. If you're on a different planet, it's another moon, right? Allegedly. We don't know. What do you mean? There's other planets and lots of moons. Wouldn't you love to be on a planet with like three or four moons going sure, around? But no one's ever seen that. Well, some might have. Well, we know it doesn't exist. Did you no know you planets. can see Jupiter's moons through a t- through a binoculars? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, not through binoculars. 
apparently. Mm. But I want to get myself a good pair of binoculars. So you got to be night binoculars then, right? No, no. I heard, no, I think when you focus on Jupiter through certain times, you can see the moons. Can you see like the blackout? That'd be cool. Little blacked out spots. I don't know. Anyways, that was a really a that was a really trippy thing seeing the Pleiades on the horizon and, and that, honestly thinking it was something weird. We should get a little telescope. Yeah, we should one day. Yeah, that'd yeah. be good to have. So Just think how great that'd be on a sea city adventure. Anyways, everybody had a great time. It was uh, tons of fun. Lots of lots of activity. Honestly, lots of unknown fucking things going on. No drama. What do you mean? No drama. No missing no, time. Like Stephen Greer. No drama. missing time. No crying. Did you take your pants off and show off the calves. <laughs> Nobody cried. Did you have the calves out? Okay, enough of the fun, fun and games. He's had enough of the calves. Yeah, yet. enough, enough of the fun games. No, I, I it was it was Stephen Greer. <laughs> oh, that's what that's what upset you. <laughs> Sorry, Graham. Yeah, I'm gonna say I got that extra webcam now. That's gonna point at cows. Yeah, people can hope for short stays. Please be wearing shorts. days at the gym. Graham wears shorts like ten months of the year, so things are looking good. I have a question though regarding yeah, please, yeah, please do. Did you get the chance to use night vision goggles? No, somebody had them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was. I think it's a monocular, and it's it it focuses in really tight. Right. I've, so I find it hard to like, so let's say you're like moving it around. I think you can kind of focus on a star, but you can't get like yeah, a super close ones, view of yeah, the whole. The good autofocus of, ones are so expensive. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. So I didn't even try that one actually, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've heard that, uh, I guess with the expensive ones that you can see like dog fights, UFOs, like fighting each other in the, in the sky that you wouldn't see with, you know, your yeah. normal teles- uh, telescope or your normal binoculars. Yeah. 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 Well, when can I come? I need to see this stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know when. When can you how can improve I, your attitude? How can over, I? How when can, can I you believe improve your attitude over this you whole phenomenon? Well, you can't be shown unless you believe. Well, that kind of sounds super culty. <laughs> 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 Just saying. <laughs> Isn't that how cults start? Usually, when the cult leader is asking you to. Oh, you don't know. Well, you said, how can I, I need to see to believe it. I'm like, you need to believe to see, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, you know, I mean, I, I know you see That sounds own... like faith. You gotta have faith. I want to believe. You just gotta have a positive attitude. I do have it. a positive attitude. <laughs> As you make fun of yeah. me and Greer and everybody else, right? I'm not making fun of you. I'm making fun of Greer. <laughs> I believe you when you say you see No, stuff. I know you do. I know. Yeah. But you don't believe him? No, there's other groups out there. I believe doing some, it. They're, they're, they're I believe that he had some stuff, but now I think that he's it's past that now. He's yeah. past that, and it's all about money and boats and hoes. Well, I mean, we had Costa and Hollis on, and they have a whole separate network of groups around That's there, right? right? And, I love uh, Costa and Hollis. Yeah, and they're then the there's best. another. There's some more people doing their own their own groups as well. So I mean, it's not just Greer. I mean, we call it Seti because that's sort of the 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 brand, let's right? Start it, the, let's start calling it Costas. E.T. E. Let's, let's Talk. Let's start calling yeah. it E.T. Let's Talk. Well, we do it on a different night, though, right? So we were on the... the Wait, moon, what? The, there's two nights? Is, yeah, do you have an E.T. Let's Talk and a C-SETI group? No, but we do it on different... De- depending on the night, right? There, so can you there, just call it E.T. Let's Talk? Couldn't you guys just be your own chapter? Well, we kind of are, but it's... it's so like, why don't you go with his because, instead of his? Well, because they do it on different nights, right? The, the C-SETI one is on a different night of the E.T. Let's Talk. Is oh, on it's a like new a moon. giant like, group effort. Sometimes, 
Well, it's all around. Like you get the emails from me. T. Let's talk. Like there's all they're all around the. the uh, I don't read. I'm sorry, Costa. I don't read. Emails. He did. You told me you, you no, liked I the signed emails. Up so they gave you an just, update and all that. You were happy about it last time. Yeah, I don't get it. You're changing your story here. It was too much. Like an email a day. So it seems like a lot of people are signing up, though. I think the emails I get are people signing up. So that's why I signed up. So thank you to the, everyone who participated in this past Saturday's Global CE5 initiative. So they're calling it a Global CE5 initiative, right? Instead of CSETI. So CSETI is like the brand of Greer, right? This is the Global CE5 initiative. So you see he gets mad when I, when I make fun of his leader. I, I can make yeah. fun of Graham. But don't talk about Supreme no, no. CE5 leader. No, no, there's no leader here. That's <laughs> okay. Saw how defensive he got, though, right, Nathan? Little hair on He the said, back. you could talk about me, but you don't say anything about Greer. So last Saturday would have been uh, connected with the ET Let's Talk and CSETI. I mean, maybe that's why it was such an active night, because both those groups are doing it. But they don't always line up the same, right? Because one's on a new moon. One's yeah. on the nearest Saturday to a new moon, and the other one's on the first Saturday of every month, or something like that. What if the first Saturday of the month's a full moon? Well, then they line up together. That's what, what if it's oh, a full no, moon? Oh, no, a new moon. What no, if it's a full moon? Who's going to look on a full moon? Maybe, maybe she said he does it. I'm not sure exactly how they do it. But. So for, for this... You're telling me my story's changing? Your story's full of holes. I'm going to so, say that we're part of ET. Let's talk. So let me just show you the uh, the rundown here. What happened here? Just lost it. So do you think with the GoPro, you'll be able to film it? Do you think you could get one of these things on film? Well, or does that, to, is I, that fuck it up now? It, it might fuck it up. Because I, know, you have because I know that might happen. I mean, people were taking some pictures, some videos, but it's, it's really, it's really hard to catch that stuff. Plus I don't, I didn't want to, to me, it was more important to experience the sighting than to try and take a picture. That's just going to be a light in the sky or whatever. Like, how do you catch a flashbulb? Right. You have to be videoing constantly. Yeah, exactly. With All go- over, yeah. right? We'll strap so, I mean, the GoPro to your head. You're good for like 60 hours. Really? And then just everywhere I look is that thing. Yeah. All that might, and then just sift through the data. Yeah. I wonder how it would look at with a GoPro strapped to my head, though. When when you see, after you see something, go like this a couple of times <laughs> so that we can put it on fast forward and see the <laughs> see the hand flashing, and we know to stop around there and take a look with yeah. the tel- with a telescopic lens. I don't know. That might be an idea, though. So there was 166 like a unicorn. Maybe we could get a rainbow telescopic lens. There's 166 total ET contact sites in 22 U.S. states and 13 countries. So that was. And did everyone succeed? I don't know. I didn't get like a full update or anything like that, but I'm just giving you this, the rundown of like, that's the, that's the cost and Hollis. Like, um, sounds cool. I want to go. I won't yeah. believe you till I go. It was a beautiful it night. It was a beautiful night. And I'm going in skeptical. And if you guys can't believe me, then that's it. You imagine if you, if I go there and we don't see anything, ugh. Then you're not, you're never coming back. <laughs> oh, that's it. And <laughs> that's I'll the never, problem. And so you better every... improve your attitude. <laughs> If I go there and I don't see anything, I don't ever need to go back. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've done my job. So, yeah, that's that. Do you want to stick with the UFO topic? I do have a small quote for you as well. Down and Graham, going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Words to ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. 
This is interesting. So this is from the CIA.gov website. This is from the CIA website, the reading room. I searched UFO in the reading room, right? Right. So this is called, where did it go? Argentina, Antarctic flying saucers. What's the, what's the commonality between those two? What's what? Argentina and Antarctica? Yeah. They're like a uh, hundred miles apart. German. The Germans, the Nazis uh, went there after the World War. Right? They, it would they be the a, closest they, they, place. They to... migrated to Argentina, but they also took so control of Antarctica. Close to Antarctica. Maybe. So, Antarctic flying saucers. A group of red, green, and yellow flying saucers has been seen flying over Deception Island for two hours. By Can you Ar- imagine if the whole... Sorry. Christ. <laughs> Can you imagine if the whole thing <laughs> with all this weird political shit was that the Nazis were like, completely powered up again down at the Antarctica and they're like <laughs> any day they're coming fucking bursting out and no one knows how to tell anyone that we didn't beat the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. how are the socialists going to react to national socialism? I don't know. But I mean, the Nazis could, some people argue that the Nazis are openly, openly running the place anyways, as far as like project paperclip and all the right. people that did come in and, and run high levels of the government. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why they're accusing all the opponents of being Nazis, because that's what they learned to do from Solinsky, right? He'd be good at opera. So, so these have been seen flying over Deception Island for two hours by Argentine, Chilean, and British bases in Antarctica. The flying saucers were also seen flying in formation over the South Orkney Islands in quick circles. Bonus Aries, ANSA, Spanish... 1556 Central Time, July 6, 1965. Can you just charter a boat and go to Antarctica? No, you can't. Nobody's allowed there. Well, well. well I think we should test that theory because Jared Drake has been to fucking a lot to no, Antarctica. Really? Yeah. Twice. Well, yeah, you can. I mean, you can go to Antarctica, but the thing is, you're only allowed at certain points. Um, you, so, what not, if we just go to that base camp city and we just run off from there? Yeah, you're not not even die shortly thereafter. It's well, well, yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty precarious. Yeah, like we have to be. I'm not suggesting we're going to do it per se, or that I want anyone else to do it because I said so. What do you? What are you but suggesting? maybe if you know there was some super campers, Bear Grylls, maybe Bear Grylls and Survivor Man can go together. Wasn't that guy that we were going to have on there? He wasn't he trying to to fund a scientific. Uh, expedition there i don't know i know i know our kiwi Brooks friend Agnew? has been Brooks there Agnew? you've been there i guess because new zealand can't be far from antarctica no either. it's not that far but no i haven't been there it's like uh you can actually get on a i guess it's a a chartered boat down to um antarctica but it's like anywhere between eight thousand to up to twenty thousand dollars but the thing is you can only go to certain parts of the continent and you're not like i and when i say you're not allowed you, to the entrance of yeah Earth? you're not allowed to well you're not allowed to <laughs> go into the actual main land part of it it's like unless you're in some kind of government agency it's it's like it's restricted and there's actually a documentary that i watched uh, a few months ago from i don't know if you're familiar with truth stream media mm-hmm they had this documentary, I think it went for like 45 minutes to an hour, and they were basically pointing out that itself and how 
it was so strange that no one's allowed on like the main part of Antarctica or, on, or, or in the larger portion of the actual continent, um, except people that work in particular agencies of certain governments. And then, I mean, we, we still don't know what they're doing in that, that area, like all, all those, those parts. And it's, you know, people like us, for example, we can only really go down to, you know, maybe watch the whales or look at the penguins and just use regular tourist type things. But that's still so expensive. And that's it. That's all you're limited to. It's really weird. Is it because they're sick of rescuing people? Mm. Well, they probably people, are die, people die rescuing other people. There's too many. The, if you watch watch this thing, and and you'll see that it's, it's well, too, we're not going to watch many. it now. No, no. put it on now. No, no, but I'm just saying, watch this thing, and you'll oh, see. I thought it. You're <laughs> That's just my finger in the sky. <laughs> yeah, because you're pointing all the time. Um, two knuckle Dunlop. Watch this thing, and, and you'll see that it's 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 not that simple. It's, there's a lot of coincidences. Well, send me. Can you send me a link to that? Yeah, I can. Yep. Yeah, I'll I think watch I've that. Watched I love Antarctica stuff. Really? Yeah. Well, we should yeah. we should focus fully. on I was on trying show, to find like, Antarctica it, people, but it's hard to find someone to talk to. They even go into uh, Admiral Bird. Oh yeah, that's not, fast. Oh yeah, I'd but, love to do a couple shows in Antarctica. If thing, you can find me the people, if we can find yeah. some people, but I couldn't find anyone really to an email even when I was looking into it. It might even be a good idea to actually get um, Melissa and Aaron Dykes, who actually do True Stream Media, and interview them. Oh yeah, about oh, that I want to do. Like yeah, I want to get into doing some more like, uh, um, sort of collaboration shows. Yeah, I want to start doing one every like couple of months if yeah. we can. Yeah. As a bonus episode, not for the yeah. black stream, but for the yeah. Well, people want to know what stream. the black stream is. We maybe we should talk to it about you know say hi to the new listeners and mention our black stream, black budget support stream. Black stream, don't cross the black streams. Do you have a jingle <laughs> or something? I don't think. Oh. If they make you laugh, if they make you cry, if they blow your mind, why not go online to grimerica.ca slash support? So. Felix is gonna kill me too because I haven't put the other one on here yet. Do you want to explain this? So, so we we have a bunch of extra content. We're putting out a bunch of extra content for the people that donate to the show. So this is staying the same completely. Grand America staying the same bunch. completely. What? Well, well, one or two, two shows a day. A month. Uh, sorry, one or two episodes a month. Yeah. So different, maybe some more controversial episodes, some different type of episodes. Um, so yeah, any donation uh, will get you access to that stream. Any donation, any one-time donation, any monthly subscription, and uh, yeah, if you can't afford it, that's fine. Or but blood. We, but we are trying to keep it ad-free, and we're trying to get more subscribers to pay off our debt and make some plans here in the studio. Yeah, that's right. We wanted to do get do some stuff that's maybe a little less, uh, some stuff that's maybe a a little more personal. B some stuff that's more controversial. And just some stuff that doesn't really fit into the regular feed that could, you know? Yeah. And yeah. at the same time, we got a bunch of great people who support and produce the show and really help us push forward, do new things, and, you know, grow and pay the bills. And without those people, there would be no show. Simple yeah. as that. If we yeah. didn't have the support we had now, there's no way we'd be here four and a half years later. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so we decided to help those people out, or not help them out, but reward them in a sense with more of our bullshit. So how do you do that? You go to grimerica.ca slash support, right? 
Yeah, right? sign up for any monthly and uh, you're in. Do they need to know how how you're going to do that? You're going to send an, e- there's an email? You'll get it as soon as you sign up. Yeah, we'll probably get it within a day. Sign up and then the email comes out. I do it manually. You do it manually. It's not automatic. Yeah. So. And I might miss people. So if you like don't have it, just yeah. email me. Yeah. We're, we're literally a two-man operation yeah. over here yeah. with some help. A lot of help. A lot of help from a lot of listeners. A lot of help from a lot of people that are far away. Yeah. That's a way to support the show, to send us your blood. Donate to Grand America. It'll feel real good. Donate to Grand America. All will be right with the world. Donate to Grand America. It'll feel real good. Donate to Grand America. All will be right with the universe. We could just start harvesting blood from our <laughs> listeners and selling it. That's a way to support the show, to send us your blood. I don't even remember you saying that. Me neither. That's a way to support the show, to send us your blood. Man, these guys pull these clips out, and I don't even know where well, they come from. Well, you know from. what it is, is by this point, it's become a running gag. So when people hit it, they just like, beep, time stop. Oh, really? Guaranteed. Guaranteed those fuckers in the chat room and Felix, because they're collaborating now on some jingles. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a whole little... What would you call it? Posse. Jingle yeah. posse. Yeah. Remember on the the chemtrails one that failed sit in, sent in? I'm actually going to play this episode out with that. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. And, and I think there's like James Cruz is, does a cameo. Right. Yeah. So we're talking about the perpetual chats that we have going on. And it's a, it's a Discord chat app, I guess. Do you have to do it on an app? You just got to go to grammarica.ca slash chats. Yeah. That should get you there. I and that's think. all in the show notes. And too. if not, if you can't get into the chats, I know some people have been trouble. If you go to the hangout, there's a support team in there that'll get you over to the chats. America.ca slash hangout. If you just can't figure it out. Yeah. That's your last resort. And thanks. But it to seems to be working on all platforms. People are doing it on their computer and on their phones and whatever. So yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty fun, it fun group of guys and, and girls. Oh yeah. People are quitting smoking. People are starting oh, podcasts. God, yeah. Yeah. I think Grimstake's on like day like twenty four or something. I quit smoking. Yeah, right on. Yeah, so if you want to quit smoking, email us in, support the show, send us your name, and we will publicly shame you <laughs> until you do. So, how was your trip, uh, Nathan? Down to you were at a festival, right? Which one was better? Oh, did he tell you about his synchronicity today? Did you tell Darren about the synchronicity? No, I, I didn't mention it because I didn't um, have it kind of official yeah. until I sat in here earlier today yeah and we might as well noticed see. Oh, wait. here let's do a special synchronicity jingle for nathan since he's in studio this is the first ever synchronicity jingle it's time for another installment of the canadian third party Synchronicity rating authority. Love that. Those are beautiful. Okay. So yesterday I was downtown just wandering around, um, just uh, doing a little bit of window shopping, I guess. Um, and I walked into Indigo Books. Uh, I think it was in the TD Center. Yeah. And uh, oh, Man, you should have texted me. Oh. I went for lunch, like, literally across the street from the TD Center. Oh. Well, I didn't know what time it was that I was there. I actually wasn't uh, focusing on my phone. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, um, 
walked into Indigo Books just for the hell of it, just to kill some time. <clears throat> and uh, I went over to the, I guess, the New Age spiritual section, and I saw this book, uh, Quantum DNA Healing, uh, Consciousness Techniques for Altering Your Genetic Destiny by Althea S. Hawke. And I just happened to pick it up because I, I thought it just really jumped out at me, the book. Picked it up, read a little bit of the back, and I thought, wow, that's really interesting. But the thing is, I thought straight away of a friend of mine who I just felt like that would be something for her to read. So I took a photo of it, and uh, I ended up sending her the photo of the book cover. But um, yeah, earlier on this afternoon, uh, when I got here in the igloo, uh, I sat here on the seat, and I just sort of turned around to the side and looked at all the books, the book collection that you guys have, and it just blew my mind. The, the first the same, one? Yeah, the, sa the first book. I was going to say, I thought we have that book. <laughs> the first That's why book, I just picked it up and looked at it. The first book he looked at the first, was that the same The first book. thing that I, my eyes went straight to was the top of this, and I was like, no way. That's just strange. Oh, so that's my our book, that's not our yours. Book, yeah. Oh, I thought that was your book. No, I was, I was no. just looking on a shelf. I was like, I swear we have that. No, book. I, see, I didn't buy it. I took a photo of it in Indigo to send to my friend. But the fact that I turned around and saw this here, I just was like, what the hell? That's super strange. And then that's the friend that you were talking about last time that you want to have on the show, maybe right? She's in the yeah, shamanism yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, well, that means that the universe wants you to have that book. Well, well I don't that's know. what See, he thinks, thing, but see, I was like, well, we want to have her in the studio. I've been bugging you to, to uh, get you her in the studio. Book. You can have the book. Well, we'll just buy one. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm not sure. Like, I'm like... Oh, I this think, is her book? No. This what? is your book. The it's one, our book. Now I'm confused. Yeah, it's our book, but who's coming in the studio? Nobody. Yeah. The, I, well, I, well, I was bugging you to get her in here because she's from Calgary. Local. Oh. So we get in studio. Well, yeah, we could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just... But we could still give Nathan the book. Yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if this particular book, after having that synchronicity, I guess it was is, meant for her, was meant for you. her or me now. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what the well, hell? Both well, of now you just have to read it tonight or before you leave town. No, no, so she, her, his friend is, is in New Zealand, right? Hmm? Where's your friend? My friend, she lives in Edmonton. Oh, Edmonton, She's the yeah. one that I was yeah, talking yeah. about getting yeah. on to talk about, yeah, you yeah, know, right. um, yeah, yeah, right. Western yeah. shamanism yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So yeah, well, there you go. Mm. So you have to read it before you leave. Yeah. And so anyways, leave it take, here. yeah. Anyways, take that book with you, and we'll we'll get another one. Yeah. And we'll give you a seven. Oh, that's <laughs> that's not bad. It's a, it's tough to give people bad scores in person when it's not you. Hey, <laughs> I don't mind. So what else did you do? You had a couple other stories for it's us. It's actually a, I'll give you a six point nine two. I'll take it because it involves a show. I'll take it. So I can save face. So how's the festival? Which one's better? Well, the thing is, they're both their own flavor of festivals. So, uh, I mean, did you want me to talk about them both briefly, or did you want me to just choose, like, there's Luminosity Gathering in British Columbia that I went to, and then the following week, which was uh, just last week, was the one I went to in Montana, which was Pirate Party. So they both had things that I took away from. Um, I mean, I don't know. I can cover things from both or i could choose one up to you all right so i'll cover them both briefly perfect that's what i was going to hope you were going to pick it doesn't okay. have to be super brief you don't you know yeah 
Well, in regards to festivals, in the past I've had experiences with entheogens. So I've, you know, I went and indulged a little bit with uh, maybe a little bit of LSD or mushrooms. And uh, I just, um, I guess this, this time my experience, I wanted to have something that was completely sober. And especially after, I guess, you know, how we discussed the holographic kinetics experience that I had, after coming away from that, um, that energy work session, that um, it just sort of has started to make me reassess my relationship with plant medicines, you know, psychedelics and such. And um, I just wanted to just take a stop, have a little bit of a halt, and do something a little different, something that I, you know, haven't done in the past. So, luminosity gathering in BC. I went with another friend of mine from here in Calgary. It was just me and him, and we we went, and it was a beautiful festival. Really, only four to five hundred people. Um, probably about maybe an hour and a half's drive from Vancouver, I think. But um, yeah, I um, I just found it was really a different type of feeling and a different experience to be at a festival where the majority of the people around you are, you know, blissed out on you know mushrooms or acid or some, you know, they're you know getting high and I mean not everyone's doing that, but a, a large amount of people are doing that. And um, I um, I found myself. Uh, experiencing what it was like on the outside as the observer looking in, not participating in something I may have done in the past. And uh, it was actually quite interesting. Uh, I just, it was good to be more fully aware of myself, you know, my, just com- being completely aware of my body, my mind, my heart space. Just, I got, I had more clarity at a particular environment like that and i think that was quite good because you know sometimes we connect with people in ways um on psychedelics and then you come away from that and it's sort of you might you might miss things that like if you're being sober like i was able to have really in-depth very uh i guess Profound in their own right conversations with certain people that I th- I think to myself after that I wonder how this conversation would have been if I was you know tripping on something and having these psychedelic experiences I may not have been able to connect with this person at this particular type of uh, level of you know thought and and, and genuineness or something like that or. Yeah, yeah, and like be able to sort of really uh, take in what they were saying, and and being able to explain things about myself to that person, so they could really, you know, uh, connect with what I had to say. So I found that to be some experiences that was really interesting, and I and I was I, I took away from that just um, something that I quite enjoyed. It was quite good because I've found in the past that yeah, you know, I've had times when i've been you know um experiencing a particular psychedelic and i've come across someone and i've connected with them and they've been beautiful people but 
the experience after, like from I, I might have stayed in touch with a particular person and the experience after that, I've realized down the line that we don't really have that much in common or uh, it's like the con- communication is really just not there. And it's like, well, now that I, I'm l- having connections in a different way, maybe it's now uh, giving me the opportunity to have more of an openness to someone and that would show me right there and then if I want to continue the connection with the person rather than just bang, doing it and having this. I mean, some, you know, sometimes they could be mind-blowingly beautiful experiences, but it, at the afterwards, it may not have been what you initially thought because you were in a different kind of m- mental state. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was something I, I um, took away from that was really nice um, to look at. I, I guess it was the same with the uh, Pirate Party Festival. Very similar. It was nice to have that um, ability to be the observer and just focus on what's going on around me in a in a more um, uh, a more grounded mind state. Um, but at uh, Luminosity Gathering, um, there was a few times when I walked away from the festival, uh, like the main stage and you know the marketplaces and such, and I walked into the woods for a little bit. And um, I had like uh, some things on my mind that I just wanted to put out to the universe and just ask for assistance and some guidance with some things. And I had like four different things that I wanted to cover, like four uh, questions about some things that I'm planning on trying to do for next year. And uh, I said the first thing. And then I said, as soon as I said the second thing, like at literally like the very end of what when i said the second thing that what i'm looking at possibly doing choosing um from my right a, a single deer walked out from a tree only a few sh- short meters in front of me and it just stopped me in my tracks and I, oh well you know like it was just i just stopped speaking i just it blew me away because it just walked out in front of me, and it went from the right to the left really slowly. Is that and a pirate party or luminosity? Luminosity, this oh. was, yeah. And um, the first That's thing, the, synchro. the first thing that came to me was nature's always speaking to us, but sometimes we're not always seeing or hearing. And sometimes when we s- slow down and actually, you know, it's like meditation. You know, your 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 intuition. Wh- messages we might get sometimes we're just not focusing even though there's messages that are there for us to receive it's kind of like that i think and um it just yeah i'm still like i'm thinking to myself well what what i just said at the time this is what i was thinking right then maybe maybe what i've just said then maybe that's the um the answer that i need the um the choice that i want to make for you know um but maybe I need to sort of take it and sort of just keep it open and just keep sort of searching and, you know, like, I mean, I take everything with a grain of salt, but uh, it was just really interesting. It was really, inter- like, strange that that happened and, and it was just so, oh, it was just, it was quite profound, to be honest. Can, yeah. I, can I read to you something? Sure. If your deer was your spirit animal, have you read that at all? 
Uh, you know, I haven't actually looked into it. Um, so, let me, I'll just read it and see. Oh, right, right. So when you, when you have the deer as a spirit animal, you are highly sensitive and have a strong intuition. By affinity with this animal, you have the power to deal with challenges with grace. You master the art of being both determined and gentle in your approach. The deer totem wisdom imparts those with a special connection with this animal with the ability to be vigilant, move quickly, and trust their instincts to get out of the trickiest situations. Huh. Okay, I got a confession, mate. That's interesting. I hit a baby deer on Sunday. I'm feeling terrible about it. Really? Just jumped out of nowhere. No. I seen his little body go rolling off, and that was it. I pulled over. But... So it's dead? Yeah. Really? It's a big... You, really? Yeah. A baby deer? On my way back from dropping off cars. No way. Wow. That's pretty. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. Thanks, Debbie Downer. <laughs> I so thought it was kind of sick. Did it the head? Did it? Yeah. Wow. It, so it went fast. It happened fast, it happened but fast. it all it happened fast. in slow motion at the same did time. Did it? Yeah. Really? You tell, did it damage your it car? Like, Not that that matters. But. Well, there was a little dent in the car. I yeah. just pounded it out with a hammer. Jeez. It was in the hood, so it was easy to just lift the hood up. Wow. Well, that was kind of like a synchronicity. Yeah. Like, before you get too crazy off on you know, <laughs> don't go too woo-woo on the deer because... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan. No, it's fine. <laughs> no it wasn't problem. Sunday when you saw the deer. That would be... Mm, no, yeah, that's why I asked yeah. if it was that pirate party. Oh, I, oh right, like right, right. Nathan yeah. was seeing a deer while I was yeah. hitting a deer. Yeah, That'd that be would be kind of weird. Pretty, that would be very synchronistic, yeah. No. Nah, nah. Um... All right, so I'll just give you a quick um, rundown on what happened at Pirate Party because there was two things that I found. That Can you give us a rundown of what Pirate Party is? Isn't it? Is, right. it is exactly it's what it sounds. Party, yeah. yeah, so Pirate Party is another festival in uh, music festival, electronic music um, in Montana in the U.S. It and sounds sexual to me for some reason. Is sorry? It, is it, it sounds sexual to me for some reason. Uh, what is that? I mean, a lot of these types of festivals, there's a lot of sexuality moving around everywhere. Yeah, but I Pirate mean, Party it, seems a bit... Why, why is that? Pirate. Because you're a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big party. Like, I mean, I was like, Graham, I was talking to you earlier about Motion Notion in BC, in Golden. And that, that's a party. I mean, I went to that once. But Pirate Party is more of a, just a straight party. It's completely different. Americans do festivals a little bit different than Canadians. It's just a different feel, different vibe. But it was a beautiful festival. It's great. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, um, that was the second one I went to, and I, and I chose to do sober again, same kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's not just festivals. I'm just at, the, at this point in my life, I'm just reassessing everything. So I'm sort of, uh, yeah, just still sort of searching within myself to see what's going to happen from here to my soon-to-be future, I guess. Um, but yeah, there was one, there was like, there was a few things that were incredible. Like, I mean, I saw some amazing electronic artists that blew me away. And, uh, you know, I just, I loved it. It was great. I, I actually had some, um, some really good experiences with, you know, just dancing for hours and not having to take anything to keep me up until like three, four in the morning. And, you know, um, but one thing that, really stood out for me and i think i was talking to 
Graham, I think I was talking to you about it earlier that sometimes we can have expectations for certain things in life and we want to have experiences happen to us like, you know, it's like we have like high expectations and we just, we got, we're going to do something or we're going to, whether it be like a, I don't know, an energy session or a workshop or a concert or a festival or, or, or a date or who knows, anything. And you just, you just want something, there's something that you just want to experience that you want to walk away from and go, wow, that was like life-changing. It blew my mind. But you have like a particular way in your mind almost that you think that's going to happen. I kind of, I tried to have no expectations at this festival. And even though I did my best, like, I mean, there's still that little bit in the back of your mind that you just sort of like, oh, I'm really just wanting this to happen or this to happen. Or even when I was at the festival, you know, I'd be dancing and looking around and like, you know, there's amazing like people just everywhere, you know, like just, you know, you just want to like make friends with everyone. But uh, at the same time, I've been a bit reserved, you know, because at the end when you're do- doing um, a festival like this in a different way than most people there, it's sort of you, you're, again, you know, you're thinking about things in a different aspect. And um, I remember on the Sunday night, the, the last night of the, the um, it was a three-day event, uh, I think I was probably about three to, uh, probably about 3.30 to 4, I was at this particular stage and I was standing just behind the stage because it was kind of like a, it's like a dome, like a, um, like a circular dome and the stage is in the middle, but I was just on the outside where there's all these painters like doing live painting all and it was great. Like, and they had that every night, but, um, yeah, I was standing there and I was just with some friends of mine and I saw this young girl, I'm guessing she was probably about mm, maybe 18, 19. And I watched her going throughout the crowd and she had like a big jug of water and she was just wandering around and she was just keeping people hydrated with this water. And I'm watching her and then she came up to me at one point, you know, and she said, um, she said, you know, would you like some water? And I had to say, sorry, what was that? Because the music's so loud. So I, she said, oh, it's just water. There's nothing else. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So I had a drink and gave the water back to her and you know, dance a little bit more. And, and, um, I just thought that was so good that, you know, like, cause I mean, it's so easy to forget sometimes to stay hydrated at these particular types of things. Sometimes you just dance and you, you know, you, you're having a great rave. And, uh, I remember that, um, when I initially went to the festival to start with, I took a, um, I had this pendant that was gifted to me a while back. And uh, like it's sort of a sort of a macrame um, with two gemstones in it, and it, and it was brand new. I never, I'd never, you know, touched it except just picking it up and putting it, you know, in my bag. And um, yeah, it still had like the tag on it and everything. So you know, it's not just not something that I felt like I really wanted for myself. It just didn't really feel, you know. And um, I I was just thinking to myself and I saw this girl at this festival doing what she was doing just helping others you know giving others assistance I thought that was so amazing I just thought that was such a heart you know it, it, it was really a touching thing and I thought that was just so special and I just wonder how many other people around were looking at that and thinking man this this person like I mean that's amazing that you know she wants to assist others and serve others in that way and just look after her brothers and sisters you know 
and it just clicked and i and it went that pendant was for her so i ran i went down to my tent searched through my bag found the pendant went back up and when i got back up i, I couldn't see her for a little while and then all of a sudden she appeared in the crowd with the water she was giving others and i walked straight over to her and i said i just said to her i said um what you're doing with water is like amazing it's so beautiful and you're a, such a special person for doing this and it's just it means a lot to, to me when i see someone doing this you know and i said not many people may really show appreciation for this but i said you know i can i i see you doing that and i've and i've taken notice and i said this is for you and i pulled out the pendant and i showed it to her and i said it's brand new and i tore off the um the tag and i put it around her neck and when i put it around her neck i saw her face and she just looked at me and she just went she the, the light up her face lit up and she was so touched and that just that just hit me mm-hmm. and that that just blew me away and she just grabbed me and she just hugged me tight and she said with this this is what i want to do with my life i just want to help people and that that was that was the end of my festival experience that just i went back to my tent laid there and i just went wow you know sometimes we need to step out and be another person's experience but that sometimes comes back to us. Yeah. 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 That was great. Yeah. But wow. that's, that's what I wanted to share. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing mm. that. Uh, that's, that's a great story. Mm. I do have a question about, about dancing. Maybe she listens so, to the show. So sober wise, like, yeah. um, yeah. How did you find dancing? I mean, I know a lot of people that's like, well, they're one of their, one of their number one, you know, things yeah, about, totally about getting clean and sober is like, well, how, you know, I can't um, dance or whatever. The like, thing is like at the start, like the, probably the first day and a half, uh, so it was like Friday afternoon, Friday night, maybe to like halfway through Saturday night. I still hadn't picked up the flow because it had been a while since I've like, um, these two festivals that I went to, I mean, I haven't been to a festival in 18, 19 months. New Zealand have, they have festivals there, but they're a little bit scummy, as le- at least the ones that I've been to in the South Island. Um, I'd like to experience the North Island ones. I hear they're a little bit better, but um so it'd been a long time since i i danced and um it took me a while to get the rhythm back into it but yeah um after a while i just kind of just blocked out the thinking about everyone else around me and i just got into it you know and that's a the thing there was like two sets of two particular artists which blew me away and i danced for like an hour straight to both of them and yeah it was just great mm-hmm. yeah good mm-hmm. now sure. I, I found i had i, I just i just, just stayed hydrated i had water and i got some like um organic energy drinks that really helped you know so that that was yeah perfect mm. but uh did you dress up like a pirate no i didn't see i would look more like a stowaway is there a pi- pirate because you got a kind of pirate, pirate look to you already right yeah i guess because i got a bit of a scar yeah you got like pirate real easy i bet like you just throw out a patch pirate up pirate. yeah well i compared to like i mean with like you know the janessa project crew they look like pirates, and I just look like some like you know drowned ship rat or something You're like that. You're like the that. first mate. I'll put a I'll put yeah. a, I'll put a link to that. That's Tanner and and Callie. Yeah, in, yeah. in mm-hmm. the show Sorry. notes. Yeah. Um, I think her. Yeah, they're legit pirates. <laughs> yeah, like they look like pirates, and <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, that was that. Thanks to them though for um taking me up and uh, 
bringing me back safely. That was really good, really nice of them, yeah. Border jumping. Well, we're yep. glad you got back safe and made it to the igloo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I was... guess the next time we have you on the show, we'll be mm. back across the pond. Yeah. I mean, it is a modern form of shamanism, right? The uh, the, the dancing, the, the especially electronic music, right? Like, it kind of replaces the old traditional drumming and stuff like that. And you're dancing and, and listening to that. It is a high in yourself, right? Or you can get high on your on all yeah, the, just like, that, I mean, the music and the dancing. Yeah, I guess you could. Like, I mean, there's, again, it's different types of drumming. And it's, like, I did actually attend um, a one workshop that was actually um, on the Saturday, Saturday morning. No, Sunday morning, sorry. And that was like at nine o'clock. So I like got three and a half, four hours sleep, woke up and went straight to this. And it was um, introduction to shamanic journeying. And that was great. That was good. Didn't last as long as I would have hoped for, but um, I took a little something small away from that. But, um, you know, it's something that I've learned about in the past. But, um, you know, they do have like at certain spiritual aspects at these festivals, like certain workshops that cater to people there's a lot of yoga. There's a lot of like yoga and sometimes meditation, but yeah. there's also things that sort of dive into little sort of metaphysical aspects. Uh, and some of them, especially luminosity gathering in BC, they did a lot of stuff regarding like permaculture and traveling and uh, like even um, the study of um, psychedelic plants and how to work with them. And yeah, so like there's a lot of stuff like it that. It crosses over all that stuff. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, that was a great rundown. Yeah, mm. thanks, buddy. Mm. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming to the Igloo. Yeah, good to have you here again. Yeah, well, thanks for inviting me a second time, yeah. Thanks to all you guys for listening. You guys are really going to enjoy the chat with uh, Mr. Jay Dyer. I think so, anyway. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's great. It's a special one. We've got Jay Dyer here from jaysanalysis.com. He's got a podcast to Jay's Analysis. And he's been writing and speaking and lecturing on geopolitics and film analysis and religion, espionage, psychological warfare, really interesting stuff. And his, his latest book, Esoteric Hollywood, Sex, Cults, and Symbols in Film, it's doing pretty good. I think it was out a few months ago and it hit Amazon's number one spot. And uh, yeah, really good timing to talk about that one. So welcome to the show, Jay. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, guys. I'm glad to be here. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm vaping. I'm no, doing no. <laughs> well, we're having a little coughing fit over here, too. That's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's the, <laughs> I always, I always have to do a little bit of meth before a show because <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Tennessee and I like to stay up <laughs> late to do my shows, but 
anyway, yeah, man, the book has been out, I guess, about five months. And then, like you said, it hit uh, number one on Amazon's uh, film and Hollywood category. And then the Goodreads uh, score plus Amazon score is uh, almost at 100 five-star reviews. Wow. So that's pretty good for five months. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's great. How long did it take you to, to, to write that? I mean, it seems to me like it would be an accumulation of a lot of your work uh, over the years. It was. I mean, it was kind of like, uh, you know, six, seven years of blogging and, and just writing essays and stuff. And I was doing grad work at the same time, kind of back when I started doing it. And so I was doing a lot of writing you know, throughout that whole period. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> I finally just kind of collected it all together. And, and uh, yeah, somebody, a uh, publisher asked if I had a book. And I said, yeah, I've got a rough outline. And took about two years to kind of get it fully, fully mapped out and, uh, should have a new one pretty soon. Actually, the, uh, the process is a lot simpler, you know, once you kind of go through it and then you know mm -hmm. what to do. So I'm thinking most likely what I'll do is, uh, a sequel because this one did so well. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll do like empire strikes back, like, you know, like esoteric Hollywood, the sequel. And you, and you've obviously got plenty of content for that then. Yeah, I think uh, there's almost a thousand posts of Jay's analysis, or a little over that. So, um, probably 140 or 50 film analysis now. Um, and the book, the book only has about uh, 363 pages, but it's got probably 25 of uh, my best analyses. But I've written a lot since then because the book was pretty much complete two years ago. So, there's a lot more. Uh, that could be in a new book, and then I've got a lot of ideas, you know, for stuff to to add new new material to add in the in the new coming book. So, so all that'll be uh, be out probably in the next year year and a half. So, right on. Absolutely. I guess we should probably give everybody a little bit of uh, a hint of what's in the book and a little bit of the background. Then it's esoteric Hollywood. So, do you get into all the symbolism in the movies, and and how how deep do you get into that? Very deep, uh, actually. Yeah, it's it's a it's uh, 363 pages and, and it's 404 footnotes. So there's a hefty dose of, mm -hmm. you know, basically backing up my arguments. It's not just me speculating. Oh, I think this uh, triangle is an all seeing eye and maybe <laughs> this. I mean, no, I mean, I come at it pretty, pretty serious because, you know, if you go through a publisher, the publisher sends it to editors and you have to, you know, they fact check you and you have to have your, your, your stuff straight. You can't just say whatever you, comes out of your butt but um the, the first section of the book is about 80 pages on kubrick and it's it's written at a college level so i mean it's it's pretty serious stuff i mm -hmm. think that everybody that reads the kubrick sections is pretty much hooked um and the next section well and what i do is eyes wide shut the shining and 2001 space odyssey and then the second chunk is a bunch of spielberg films like close encounters ai minority report um, and then kind of comparing him to H.G. Wells, because mm -hmm. I think that H.G. Wells kind of really set the stage for not just science fiction, but also Hollywood. And I think he had a, uh, an overlooked uh, influence and impact on Hollywood. So I really try to cover that, you know, everything from Island of Dr. Moreau to Time Machine. And that's that's also kind of written from um, like a literary college perspective where like if you take a class on uh, literary theory or something like that, in college, you would you would do the kind of analysis that I'm doing. Yeah, and he probably um, had an underrated underrated background as well that people don't really 
talk about a lot. <coughs> uh, that's all hidden because I'm a secret agent <laughs> of the Illuminati. Can't talk about that. But <laughs> the third, the third section of the book is the '70s and '80s fantasy. So I talk about Logan's Run, Zardoz, Labyrinth, Never Any Story, Ridley Scott's Legend, Blade Runner, and and then uh, Ridley Scott's more recent Prometheus. And then the final section of the book is the last 50 or 60 pages on uh, 007 and David Lynch movies and Hitchcock. Uh, and then it kind of concludes with a chapter on the coordination between the Holly, between Hollywood and the CIA. Yeah, so, perfect. So that's what you're looking at. But you also added bonus. I, it took me actually uh, another month or two. The book was already ready last summer. And the publisher felt like that I talked about so much material that that a lot of the content actually needed to be defined. So I had to go back and write these little sidebars, and there's like 50 or 60 of those that took two months to do. So, so you're actually getting basically a textbook. Um, it's not just a movie scandal book. It's you know it's a hardcore uh, film analysis, philosophy, geopolitics, espionage, conspiracy, everything. You know, try, kind of wrapped in the the costume of Hollywood. And that's what I do. Can you summarize like the, the, the theme of the whole thing? Like, so you're, you're analyzing all these movies and stuff and there's some great categories of them all there, but is there an overarching theme where, you know, this is a purposeful, uh, symbolism and, and occult themes inserted into pop culture by a, by a group of people kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. The first chapter is, the first, well, the introduction is film as ritual. And I talk about how film is more than just entertainment. It's it's a, <clears throat> as a form of art, it's also uh, kind of a ritual process. Right. And many artists uh, you know, see themselves as shamans in a way. So I think you could argue Kubrick and David Lynch see themselves that way. And so the artwork is kind of their... Um, transmission from whatever spiritual forces or government forces influence them. Right. Uh, so that's the, over. yes, you're absolutely right. That's the overarching theme of the book is that the arts and Hollywood in general are conveying much more than the surface level reading of what we think they're conveying. Right. And it becomes especially clear when you look at not just the esoteric stuff, but also the espionage stuff, because there's so much, embedded in you know James Bond stories, Bond novels, and movies that you might not expect are actually based in reality. I mean, obviously not everything, but a lot of what Ian Fleming wrote was based in reality. So, um, so yeah, that's the approach I take. When I'm looking at the sci-fi stuff, I'm looking at, you know, transhumanism, how we're being conditioned to, to accept that. I'm looking at um, esoteric stuff in 80s films like how never any story was actually the, the author michael enda he was actually uh, basing the whole kid's story on crowleyanism <laughs> which most people don't know wow. but uh, that guy, yeah that guy was a big time uh, theosophist and and crowleyan so what you're actually getting in the never ending story is this elaborate gnostic presentation of cosmology so all kinds of stuff like that just you know in a lot of places we wouldn't suspect, especially kids' movies. As far as intention goes, I've always I've always felt like Hollywood or, or some group of people come out with these movies to either debunk or make light of a subject that's actually going on, right? Like, for example, 
one of the things I was just in the movies the other day and I watched uh, the pre- all the previews coming on. And there was one for this movie Geostorm, right? Which is about like man-made weather weaponry. And, you know, like <laughs> lately that's been coming on, coming up more and more as all the, you know, the patents for weather modification and all this stuff. And I feel like every time something's going to break open, you know, a movie comes out about it to basically just make everybody think it's, you know, just bullshit and entertainment. You know, is there a theme? Is there that type of theme going on too? Whether it's about like UFOs or disclosure or, um, you know, like, like yeah. weather modification or whatever it is. Yeah. For example, one of the more revealing, you know, goofy satirical way films uh, about weather modification is the 1998 adaptation of the Avengers. And I don't mean the Marvel Avengers. I mean, the Avengers that was the sixties British TV show, the spy show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you watch the, the 1998 film version with Sean Connery and Uma Thurman and Ray Fine, you learn that the whole plot that Sean Connery's character is up to, which his name's Prospero, it's based on uh, Shakespeare, The Tempest, is that uh, he's uh, modifying weather and he's going to use Harp as basically a kind of uh, blackmail operation against different countries that don't go along with his globalist agenda. <laughs> And, and it also includes mind control, MK Ultra. The Uma Thurman character actually gets uh, programmed with uh, mind control, and she has alternate personality, split personality. All, all this kind of stuff is embedded in this very goofy movie. And that movie was a, I, I, actually I don't think it's that bad, um, but it was voted you know like worst movie of the year. Got Razzies, but sometimes yes, you'll find that satirical goofy movies actually will at times have very revealing conspiratorial plots uh the recent charlie's angels movies had very conspiratorial revealing plots um what was there was another one i had on my mind i was going to tell you um oh uh, josie and the pussycats actually that goofy rom-com that actually has uh the military industrial complex basically socially engineering people through pop music that's the whole plot of the movie is that they they create trends but as you said, it's presented in this very lighthearted, comedic, satirical fashion. Uh, and so there, I think on one level, yes, there is a, a layer of um, very out there, deep state stuff that's real, like weather modification or, or stuff like, you know, programming mind, mind control people, mind controlling people through pop music that comes out in something that's kind of kitschy and goofy and, and silly. Yeah. And even in these but very real yeah, even in these international intrigue type movies, like almost everyone now has this, you know, this this dark uh, villain, obviously, who's into global control and tracking over something. Like even the latest Fast, and, Fast and the Furious has George has Soros. you know the whole the whole global thing, right? And they've all got the the latest tracking. Like they're just making it like cool that. You know, basically they're glorifying the NSA technology or whatever technology is out there, and they all seem to do it. Yeah, the plots of the movies are usually, oh, well, see, we've got to do all the spying because there's a bad guy who's going to do it mm-hmm. if we don't. Right, so I mean, if we don't watch you, some other criminal's going to. <laughs> but, uh, of course, the people watching are the criminals. And actually, yeah, the, uh, the last uh, Bond movie, Spectre, that was the whole plot, was that Blofeld basically had backdoor technology and that he was <clears throat> had an, a bunch of moles inside uh, 
British GCHQ, which was spying on everybody, and and Blofeld was going to use this spying tech to rule the world and all this kind of stuff. And uh, you know that was actually based on roughly the character of Soros, uh, and it kind of hinted at uh, leaks from uh, WikiLeaks and Snowden and all that kind of stuff, which I, I I generally take a lot of this as kind of theatrical, um, even in the mainstream news, it's somewhat theatrical. So I tend to be skeptical of all this stuff, but uh, there's no doubt that Spectre was a prime example of predictive programming. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there any other, um, anything more recent that's down those lines? Uh, hmm, that's a good like question. The, all those transformers must be. They seem like that too. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of gave up after <laughs> the first Transformers. I was kind of done with those. So I haven't actually seen the. I think I saw that one about the moon. That was very bizarre. Like yeah, dark yeah, yeah. moon. Yeah. That was the last one I saw. So I haven't seen the new ones. But uh, trying to think if I saw something recent that was uh, heavily. Propaganda, uh, probably, well, if you think back to the last Star Trek, this is probably the most recent heavily, I mean, Doctor Strange had a lot of really crazy esoteric stuff in it, for sure. So I could include that, but I wouldn't really say it's predictive programming. But the Star Trek, um, uh, I forget what was it called. I, I, I titled my analysis something like Social Justice Warriors in Space, because that's basically <laughs> what it was, was... They were like, anybody who wants to retain their cultural identity, they're the terrorists, and they're going to blow up uh, you know, the Federation's big capital city, which is basically New York, and all this kind of weird you know, social justice warrior programming, which was, was long time, that's been a long-time theme in Star Trek. But that one comes to mind, yeah. uh, social engineering, but... Um, Hmm. Well, even That's even weird. The, I'm a Trekkie and even, I didn't get social. You didn't. You didn't catch Luckily, that. Luckily, I got through that <laughs> without getting Am brainwashed. I a social justice warrior? No, I don't, I don't think, so. think so. No, you made it through that one. Okay. So, but even the Transformer ones you guys were talking about, like, I think the latest one I saw that, and it, it even had this global. You know, like the Transformers, it kind of merged with the global, uh, you know, there's a global military industrial complex now. And there was a, you know, like a resistance movement that seemed, I mean, it's all, it all seems so um, kind of like exaggerates where we're at and doesn't make it seem yeah, as bad that we're, that we're heading there in a way. Like it's, it just seems to justify all this globalist uh, stuff that's going on in a way. Yeah, I think the movies work on many levels. So at times they're they're there to maybe demonize one country. Um, you know, the CIA was actually involved in movies like American Sniper and Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, those were those were there to prop up you know the American mythology. Yeah, uh, sometimes movies like uh, Argo or something like that comes out to demonize Iran or to kind of stoke again old tensions from the 70s about how we're supposed to view some Middle Eastern country or something like that. Um, so a lot of those directly <laughs> Pentagon CIA uh, influenced films, the, the, a lot of those have a uh, basically time contingent uh, propaganda, uh, a, a, a propaganda purpose. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, sometimes... Something else like Doctor Strange might come out, and it has this very deep uh, esoteric uh, 
perennial philosophy type agenda that's you know all about spirituality other, yeah other dimensions and, yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff so so yeah it just depends i mean I don't, uh, that's a good question though i guess i should have been more up on uh, recent movies no, no, no. To i'm not really very up on recent movies so <clears throat> No, I just I was going to ask about you the D the D and D like the Department of Defense uh, and the Pentagon influencing them as well as the CIA because I know that the you know the DoD is definitely lending lending uh, you know uh, hardware and shit and I thought they had some script control because of that like here we'll we'll lend you these uh, you know these planes and ships and all but we want to review your script and you know tweak it a little bit and then the other the other comment I had was. Um, Actually, let's just stop there for now. I can't remember what my own was. Well, if you saw uh, a couple days ago, there was the WikiLeaks retweeted the, the leak that dealt with uh, Tom Secker requested a FOIA on uh, Pentagon influence in films oh, of wow. late. And uh, so there was a leak or, or a FOIA request that was released of 1,800 recent no films. No <laughs> Yes, Look this up. This was this uh, article went viral. Uh, oh, I do remember medium. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Medium dot com from yeah. a few days ago, and yeah, it's and this is what I've been saying for a long time, as well as other people, that it's not just a, you know this or that film that you that you have a hard time thinking of one. It's 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 like all this stuff. It's TV yeah. shows, you know, to insert all kinds of messages that are you know, related to military recruitment or related to interpersonal relationships and how you need to view genders and yeah. all kinds of, all kinds of just shit is put in all of these films everywhere. Uh, and, and there's bonuses. You basically, you get, you know, uh, additional money and funding. If you, if you add these messages, that's how the, that's what the incentives are there for. Um, but it also, yeah, it all serves this overall agenda of, Basically, I think the, the Hollywood is just another arm of the CIA is the best way to understand it. The Hollywood is the culture creation factory and the music industry of, of the CIA and the Pentagon. That's, well, it's there to do that. Seems like, um, go ahead. Well, and another arm of, of the globe, more of the international globalists as well. Like the, uh, if you, I don't know if you came across any influence from the Lear Foundation at all, but they've apparently... Um, influenced with some of the social engineering stuff directly into a bunch of TV shows and movies as well. And they're, they're proud of it. I mean, I heard a speech of this, this uh, one of the spokesperson from Lear Foundation talking about how, you know, they've influenced this and they've thrown this, uh, this little tidbit in this script. And it's, it's just, it's disgusting. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's, it's basically a covert version of like, if you listen to Nat NPR or national public television or whatever, if you listen to NPR, they'll be like, uh, "This this segment paid for by a grant from the Gates Foundation, right?" <clears throat> uh, you hear that all the time, and that's that's on purpose. And and so basically, NPR is a great example of an open Pentagon right uh, again to front. But people think that oh well, Hollywood is a bunch of private companies, and so therefore it's no no no, it's not different because all of those private companies are all tied into the same global economic combine mm -hmm. and that's why there's been so many books and i mean mainstream books that have been written about the history of the connections between the mob different mafias and entertainment and hollywood and different drug cartels they all tie in together and so there's not i mean there's one level of distinction between private and public and 
you know, Columbia Pictures versus uh, DreamWorks or something like that. But really at the top, you're dealing with, you know, a lot of power players who are involved in a lot of the same stuff. And there's a lot of people from the CIA will go and write scripts for movies. Yeah. And that is well known. And like you said, uh, you were talking about Pentagon and influence. There are other books before mine that were written not so much about esotericism, but just strictly about the influence of the CIA and Pentagon um, by academics. So there, there's mainstream academic publications that have been around for years discussing the interplay between those different, supposedly different worlds. So the thing I don't understand, and having having heard all that, and before we move on to, to different sort of topics, so why would they allow a movie like this new one that comes out with, uh, who's, is it Tom Cruise and the whole cocaine uh, smuggling out of Columbia or whatever, that if you've ever seen the um, reviews of that, like they're glorifying this whole uh, government of the U.S. getting involved in drug smuggling, and he was their puppet or whatever. And, they, you know, they glorify this whole thing, but they, and they say, oh, it's based on a true story and all. So, so now are they, why are they coming out with movies like that that are so damning against, like, do they think just people don't care? Or is this to just Hollywood eyes that whole, that whole theme? Or do they know that the cat's out of the bag? Because now everybody knows that the CIA is running drugs, right? So. Or the CIA has been co-opted. Been co-opted well, by the who? C- the CIA was started Sorry. by. <laughs> The CIA was started by basically the Rockefellers. It was Rockefeller private intelligence. And, and prior to the creation of the CIA at the behest and request of Rockefellers and other power players, they were, there was already private intelligence known as the Inquiry, which was a gathering of a bunch of academics. So mm. the whole spy world comes out of the academic world. Right. And most of, the, most of those universities from which they came were universities that were and are run by grants from these big foundations. So the CIA was never like some heroic thing. It was always the private enforcement army of the bankers. And uh, if anybody doubts that, I would just recommend reading either Carol Quigley's Tragedy and Hope uh, or Servando Gonzalez's book, Psychological Warfare in the New World Order, where he details basically the whole history of the CIA back to those big families. So it's basically just private intelligence for big mafia families best way to understand it so um it's always been this way and and the 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 history of all the major networks is all people out of the oss uh (laughs) sarnoff haley uh, they're the guys who started and headed you know cbs abc nbc they're 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 at the ground root of big networks and so network television was always intended to be mind control and social engineering from the very beginning that was this whole purpose yeah it's hard uh, for me to well, just read uh, D- Daniel Estelin's book on Tavistock, uh, which is, I mean, I've read other books about Tavistock, but his is, is pretty good because it's uh, just, it's brief, man. It's just like 200 pages. Here you go. Here's a bunch of quotes from Tavistock documents, like uh, changing yeah. images of, of man out of the 1940s. Yeah. Basically planning the future that we live in now. Yeah. I mean, that's really what I, I also wanted to, I've been dying to get into, into it with you is. It's refreshing. I've been listening to some of your podcasts, and you've been talking about the, the the influence behind all the social engineering, right? Like a lot, a lot of people are talking or you know giving voice to the Tavistock problem and all this, all this stuff that really goes back. There is a trail to the social engineering and stuff. Like this is actually coming true twenty, thirty years later and longer from what they've been planning. So it's I wanted to get into that a bit. 
Yeah, and again, uh, you need to look no further than the Rockefellers who put in the grant money for the be- beginning of the MKUltra found, uh, uh, programs, which dealt with uh, drug manipulation and mind control. Um, they put up the money for Dr. Ewan Cameron to open up his uh, mansion facility testing grounds at Mount Royal in Canada. That was where <clears throat> a lot of the electroshock treatments were going on. He was testing um uh, the effects of uh, large doses of LSD and electroshocks to quote repattern people mentally speaking, and and by the way this goes on and on and on. I can give you you know there's Jose Delgado's book Physical Control of the Mind, one of the MK Ultra doctors who literally just writes a book about mind control. Uh, Dr. John C. Lilly, uh, another mm-hmm. one of the MK Ultra doctors who famously did all the LSD tests on dolphins to yeah, see how float it tank would- float tank guy right. Yes, well, yeah. John C. Lilly wrote a book, Programming and Metaprogramming, where he talks about dosing kids with LSD and giving them a base programming, which they could later manipulate in in life as they got older. And John C. Lilly really thought you could control the population with uh, LSD. So are you starting to see the pattern of counterculture, right? This is the stuff that you know Dave McGowan talks about in Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon, that the counterculture comes out of these social engineer guys who were dosing all these people uh, with LSD. Don't forget uh, Alfred Kinsey, who uh, was uh, fiddling with all the kids and children in his science experiments to see how to mess them up sexually. That was also paid for by Rockefeller money. Um, So again, it all goes back to the same families putting their money into the founding of sociology comes out of the University of Chicago, and that was all paid for by the Rockefellers. Feminism in the modern world paid for by the Rockefellers, Abby Rockefeller. So it's all out there. <laughs> There's no uh, question about this being a conspiracy. It's all documented in the, the mainstream books on by the guys involved in the programs. They write books about it. Wow. Yeah, we had McGowan on, and we also had Estelin on a while back. But we we, were oh, try, cool. we tried to have him on again, but it just didn't. We, we tried like three times, and we couldn't connect with him. But maybe that's the book that, Darren, that's the book we should probably talk to him about, that Tavistock. Wouldn't that be fascinating? Yeah, yeah. So I really think the the problem now for the for them the elite in this regard and and why there's such a backlash in the in the in the political climate is because I this is I'd like to know what you think about this the Clinton Foundation's being sort of uncovered for a real vehicle of influence from foreign powers and and it's sort of bringing up this whole problem with charities and foundations and you know you've mentioned that already that these foundations are going way back decades now they, you know this is how they fund all these initiatives right so now people are realizing that the money that goes into these things isn't being used you know for good a lot of times and you know so i think this is really why the big backlash is here is because the you know the potential end of this the slush fund money laundering through foundations is here you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done a few videos on uh, Clinton Foundation and how that's kind of an exemplary case of what you're talking about. Right. And they're just really recent newcomers to this model. Right. I mean, you go back to the uh, the Reese Committee investigations, which looked at the Carnegie Foundation uh, in the Ford Foundation and others, Rockefellers too. And they noticed, <clears throat> I guess those were several decades ago, but they noticed all these same 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 things that they were actually controlling and changing, altering uh, education in America, basically to dumb it down. You know, the stuff that Charlotte Isabel talks about. That was all part of the Reese Committee hearings. Um, so it's known. It's 
that again, that's not a question. But the model of how you do all this with a private tax-free foundation is really the trick of the big level players. I mean, mobsters don't figure this out until they get you know big level and turn quote legit. Uh, that's why all you got to do to understand this is just watch the uh, third Godfather. That's the one where Michael Corleone realizes that when you're a big global player, you need a, a tax-free foundation to launder all your money through. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then you can influence politics uh, much easier than if you're uh, a taxable, you know, multi-million dollar private Casino company. or something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and that's literally what Michael learns in The Third Godfather. That is too much. So I see, this is the thing. I didn't really grasp that this has been going on for so long until, you know, last year or two realizing you know, how bad some of these more contemporary ones are. So it's, it's really good to know that, that, you know, this has been going on for millennia, probably. I mean, at least the last hundred years. It seems to be coming blatantly obvious, though, especially in, like, the news, the mainstream news. Yeah. yeah like, it a, seems like you can't recover from this. You know, there's no coming back. Either you're, you're win or you're, I don't know, how, how they bounce back. Maybe they were already on the way out. Well, I, I hope, but I mean, I think we've got a long way to go before any kind of real change happens. I mean, the the main power that the the globalists have is the monetary system. That's the main way that they can control entire nations and continents. And so any nation state, for example, that tried to ever back away from globalism <laughs> they have basically the entire banking structure of the rest of the world to do economic terrorism through the IMF and World Bank. To you can wreck one nation's economy. You can set up uh, tariffs, you know, uh, sanctions so that you don't bring any of their products into your country. I mean, that was really why the globalists for so long were behind free trade, as well as Karl Marx. Marx and Engels were also supporters of free trade because. They understood that it would have this uh, wrecking effect to destroy nation states and bring in the new model of uh, the super, the, the, the mega power block, the continental power blocks, which would then be integrated into a global power block. So, yeah, the, the Atlanticist Anglo-American establishment has the, the upper hand and they have had the upper hand since the 20th century because they, as Dr. Quigley says, engineered the last two world wars and those two world wars effectively weakened any potential resistance uh in germany or russia so germany and russia were basically effectively neutralized from world war one and world war two and then of course the cold war uh and that's why you know what you see in geopolitics and the news nowadays is basically the mopping up exercise where they're really trying to move into the final phases of of, of no, absolutely no opposition uh, from any corner of the globe. Uh, and then, you know, it moves into the next phase of, you know, what Brzezinski talks about between two ages, the new age, uh, you know, the, the, the new age of technotronic, technocratic AI dominance. Yeah, right. I was just going to ask you about, you know, the changing of the guard, right? Brzezinski and Rockefeller passing away right. and, and this... In in this time, is there a new guard like the techno so the technocrats and these guys like you know Zuckerberg and Google and yeah. are they the ones that are really going to start 
you know, influencing things and they've been grooming them for a while. Like, how do you see the guard changing? And if, if Brzezinski and Rockefeller even did die, I haven't heard any, I haven't heard any conspiracies about them being alive, but it wouldn't surprise me if they sort of felt this thing crumbling and wanted to get out or something. I don't know. Uh, I, I tend to think that they, they died. I haven't thought of any or heard of any, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that, that it's, it's I mean, you know, Brzezinski wrote his book in 1970, and he was just echoing what H.G. Wells, Bertrand Russell, uh, and you know, prior technocrats and futurists had planned and and wanted to see in terms of transhumanism and technocracy. So Brzezinski was basically saying in 1970 where we would be at right now in 2017. So uh, they knew where it was going to go, and that would require basically completely committed cult member technocrats uh, like people you're talking about, like uh, Schmidt at Google, Regina Dugan from DARPA to Google, uh, Cass Sunstein at the NSA. I mean, uh, th these are the characters who are you know, sort of taking the reins. Mm -hmm. Not so much of the, I mean, the, monet the monetary influence, the banking influence and all that, the assets are still going to be in these big bloodline families, that's not going anywhere. But they have a managerial class, uh, and that's the technocrats that we're talking about who are going to actually run the system. Right, the foot soldiers, the, the elite foot soldiers. Like, the CDC. That's, that's what I think of the Bilderbergers. Like they're well, just the, the they're just like the pawns. Must be in there too. The CDC. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. These are. I mean, the whole cor corporate world, Fortune 100, Fortune 500. These are essentially. Uh, controlled by the big families who have the, the uh, basically the controlling shares in most of these companies. I mean, uh, there's that study that was put out a few years ago. There's a whole TED talk on it. I wrote an article on it, which where they they've actually graphed out the network of a few families and companies that literally can control the global market. So this is not a conspiracy anymore. It's known. Yeah, I remember that coming out. Where do you think these uh, these new groups like Antifa fit into the the grand scheme of things? I'm not positive, but I would tend to think that uh, that was cooked up uh, just like Black Lives Matter by probably some kind of Soros type um, funding, um, and then that is there to kind of be a dialectical opposition to fake. Uh, Fake far right movements. I'm not saying everybody on the right or far right is fake. I'm just saying that the that's there to be a foil to the alt right or something like that, um, because I think they knew eventually there, there's going to be back backlash um, with a lot of this stuff that's being pushed through, and people are going to start, you know, choosing different political options and, and getting into getting involved in opposing globalism. So I think they want to have a lot of ready made traps for Sol, Solinsky type stuff right I mean they're really accusing exactly. yeah, yeah sorry so yeah I think that uh, Antifa is a 100% completely a, a created fake um, thug run type thing exactly after the model of, of Solinsky like you said hmm. yeah it's crazy what's going on I mean I just don't understand I mean, they just came out of nowhere dude I mean yeah you know what I mean it's Suddenly, there's Antifa now that uh, Trump's you know running. It's like, oh, wh where the heck did these people come from? They're just like suddenly there's these, all these guys in black uh, you know masks running around. That doesn't happen apart from you know like 
advertising it in magazines. And, well, when when did the definition of fascism change too? I mean, we've it's technically probably been a fascist. You know, all the Western countries have kind of been more fascist to the original definition, wasn't it? I mean, you know, corp- well, yeah. I mean, even even uh, Eric Blair or George Orwell wrote decades ago that fascism is just a made-up word that you use to to scare people. You just you just stick that on anybody that that you don't like. But uh, I mean, yeah, the technical definition is just a merger of the cor- uh, private and corporate worlds running the government. So that's exactly what we have, ironically. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> or actually, yeah, not that ironic. Because everyone knows yeah. it's, I mean, the it's so blatant that, and nobody just, it's like, no. Well, I don't think people know what to do. They can't, you know, it's hard to get out of the trap. You know, you, the you can. Not, that, go, go ahead. The irony is that the, the, the money that funds Antifa comes from the people that they think they're opposing. Yeah, that's exactly. So what I can't wrap my head around is, is as far as this future prediction of the technocrats and the technocratic, you know, state, like, how did they know back then that, that it was going to be like this, like with the technology on? I mean, I just can't even wrap my head around how they could have even foreseen that we were going to be in this state. But when you read stuff like, uh, uh, Unabomber like, Manifesto. Yeah. Or, or, um, Huxley stuff or the, you know, it, it does, it does just seem like they, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously there's ways to, I mean, believe me, I, I think that there's ways we can read the future and they were probably tapped into some higher realm. I would tend to think. Well, there's that possibility. And there's also the fact that I think a lot of technological discoveries are made a long time ago, but they're kept secret. Oh, right. And yeah. That's the other thing. The yeah. Establishment's very good at keeping secrets. And so what they do is if they, if some new <laughs> revolutionary tech is discovered, it's going to be kept secret for a long time because they don't want, they don't actually want markets being revolutionized or changed. They want things to continue at a certain pace. And a great example of this is uh, the documentary Light Bulb Conspiracy that talks about planned obsolescence and yeah, how right, the light bulb meetups and all that shit, those <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> You know, when I was in Oregon, there's a church there that has a light bulb that's been burning since like 1908 or some shit. <laughs> and it was, if you look at it, it was before the whole light bulb thing, the group or whatever formed. Well, what's interesting about that documentary is that they talk about all these examples of products that are intended to fall apart after a year or two. And they could easily make products that would last 10, 20, 30, 50 years, but they intentionally don't. And that actually ties into the point about technology being suppressed because they want, <clears throat> uh, like oil, like, you know, I'm not saying that oil is bad. I think there's, um, I mean, it works good, but I'm sure that there's more advanced stuff than oil. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they're not going to allow that to change the market anytime soon, precisely because. It's not the world is not the way free market libertarians think. It's not based on innovation and whoever has the best idea. The world is based on complete and total control and and underhanded, dirty tactics and practices. Uh, and you know they kill people over over inventions. Well, and they're <laughs> and they're using that technology as well. I mean, there is there is something going on with the secret space program and how these globalists that we're talking about fit into that. I don't even know, and I can't even speculate if it's some of these guys like Brzezinski or if it's a whole different level of humans that are running around in these 
high tech craft flying around in them. But I mean, they they don't want a, this stuff to come out to the commercial market because that's that's what they're that's in their uh, you know in their back pocket, right? They don't even want to use that in wars or anything like that. I mean, they have technology that could do a lot more damage to the enemies as well. Space program is a good example because uh, Brzezinski talked about that also in 1970 would be the space race and controlling space and all this stuff. And my view is that if you look at, think, this is just my opinion, uh, if you look at SETI, I don't think SETI is about searching for extraterrestrials. My, just opinion, it's my speculation, mm-hmm. uh, is that what would you, what do you think they would use a giant multi-million dollar dish for? Defense. What what what's more devious? Uh, I think it's, I think it's related to surveillance or yeah, or harm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that they were they were saying that a lot of this stuff in the seventies and eighties was being set up for uh, interplanetary defense or missile defense or asteroid defense or some bullshit like this. And I think what they were really doing was setting up the the global NSA surveillance grid and the internet. I think that's what they were really setting up. Um, now, what's beyond that in terms of aircraft and advanced aircraft, I don't know or, or claim to know. I think that whatever the UFO phenomenon is, it is this advanced technology that you know has been suppressed, probably anti-gravity type stuff or something like that. Um, where they got it is anyone's guess. Uh, maybe they're all tripping acid and invoking Lucifer and <laughs> I mean, that might be what's going on. I mean, that's uh, what Watson and Crick, or Watson claimed, right? I mean, didn't he see the, the DNA helix while he was tripping or something? Yeah. yeah. Um, then the guy who did the Hubble telescope said that he was tripping and he saw an elf. An elf came and told him to get money from the Rockefellers to build the <laughs> Hubble telescope. I'm not joking. That's the official story. I don't think so, I've heard that anyway. one. I got some mushrooms. I should hit those mother, those guys up for some money. <laughs> Yeah. What could I do? Grammar well, like just, yeah. We'll make a telescope. We'll make something. If, if Terrence McKenna and a clockwork elf come to you, they'll probably instruct you who to get your money from. Perfect. But um, why do you think, yeah. like, I don't know, to me it seems like I didn't really, maybe it's just because I wasn't paying attention, but the whole, like, the amount of fake bullshit news, you know, not just mainstream other everywhere seems to be so much harder to sift through in the last like 24 months or 12 months even. Yeah. I think this was a, an intentional psychological operation uh, to be the, the future justification for cracking down on the internet. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, what... That's pretty deep, but yeah, I can see that. Hey, Darren. Like this is this is how yeah. they're gonna this is how they're gonna gain that uh, digital control, right? Is is you know everybody's got to be licensed, everybody needs permission, um, you know they're gonna have to be verified. Well, they they also want to to convince the public of those things, so they they want to they don't want to just do it; they want people to believe that it's the right thing to do. And to get people to believe that, you have to try to pass off these th- these goofy ideas like. Oh, uh, the Trump stole the election because of fake news and hackers <laughs> in, in Macedonia were posting face, fake Facebook uh, videos and Trump colluded with Russia and Russia hacked the election and see it's all 
it's all a danger because of fake news and, and manipulation on the internet, you know? So I think they really want people to buy into this, but it's, it doesn't seem to be working on just a base level. Like, I don't think most people are... I know uh, maybe, maybe, CNN's maybe had to delete and re-upload their app at the Canadian store like three times in the last yeah, month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't get any better. They really didn't and see. I went in to check for myself because I'm like, is this fake news? I'm going to go in and check my app in the app store and see. And it was like a couple last thousand one-star reviews. 270. I'm going to see if they've... If they've uh, but that's pretty deep. Like again. that's that's deep psychological warfare. I mean, the people that are propagating well, this don't even know that that's what's going on, right? If you if you doubt me, just read uh, Cass Sunstein's article on. Um, he wrote a famous essay back in two thousand eight on two thousand eight on uh, cognitive infiltration and fake news on the internet. And basically, that's what he theorizes. And he, by the way, was eventually appointed head of the NSA. So you're not talking about. <laughs> You're not talking about a small-time player. You're talking about Harvard lawyer who writes, uh, you know, philosophy papers on on psyops, uh, and they talk about these very things. That's crazy. How's the app there, Darren? Did you check it out? It's up to three hundred and fifty again. One stars. Uh, it's up to like one and a quarter. Oh wow! I didn't get <laughs> the top three are fake news, fake app, awesome. If you want to pollute your mind. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, that is pretty funny. So what's, what, oh man, I got a couple questions here, but I mean, talking about the, um, this, this influence and whether it can be on some sort of, um, supernatural thing. I mean, it, it I did get the sense like six, six months ago, you know, a year ago that, you know, it's hard to ignore the, the supernatural aspect to this political bipolarism, uh, polarization, you know, like, and I started thinking, and I know you're, you know, you've, you're into, um, religion and stuff like that. And you're a Christian and, and, uh, I, but I started thinking about it, like, is this good versus evil too? Like, is this, or that's, that's probably not very, that's probably too objective to say that, but you know, is there, when, when we had this guy on that, um, was writing this blog about Pepe, and the the amount of of synchronicities and craziness going on with that whole thing, you know, and even even Hillary acknowledged Pepe. Like, is there a, is there a spiritual war going on here in the background as well? Well, I mean, in one sense, I would say this spiritual warfare does, in a way, translate into politics and geopolitics. But but I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't push that point too much because I think a lot of the majority of politics is theater and theatrics and not real anyway. I think that the the plan of the uh, global elite marches on despite you know who's in office. So right, I don't really right. put too much stock in that. But on another level at the higher level. At another level when, you know, they're trying to teach kids about anal sex and they're trying to basically evangelize uh, for pedophilia and make it uh, lawful. I think you're looking at stuff that is straight up dark forces and satanic. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's more or less what's been coming out, you know, in relationship to Jimmy Savile and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, it, it, 
it's not hard to go there with that, you know, that there is this stuff coming out and it's not fake. This is what's happening. It's coming from all sides, that one too, right? You're getting it from yeah. far right and you're getting it from far left. Yeah. In the form of like Milo and uh, what's that? What's the gay Star Trek guy? Takai. George Takai. Yeah. Oh, you mean, oh, I see what you mean. You mean normalizing, normalizing, normalizing this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I think those are definitely examples of uh, spiritual darkness. And then I think, you know, that's going to keep pressing forward because there's no, it doesn't stop. You know, basically, where does it end? It ends in like human sacrifice, cannibalism, bestiality. I mean, that's really, there's no other way, places to go beyond that. Right. So, but, but, but I mean, all those things vindicate, I think that, you know, people would laugh at things that are in the Bible or the old Testament or ancient religious texts or something like that. But, but I mean, we're seeing this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? So to me, it doesn't seem that it's like, well, you think I'm crazy for believing this? Well, I mean, this is what's actually going on in the world. So I, I, at least I have some kind of map or you know guide or explanation for what's going on here right. that, that that i think makes sense what, what do you think about the the middle type of the middle part of spirituality like the church of experience like we talked to a lot of people on the show and a lot of our listeners who have had uh awakenings or they've had downloads where they've you know got all this information that they're sharing so whether it's like a you know a channeling aspect or a personal transformation through you know, meditation or psychedelics or whatever the case, NDEs, OBEs, like there's a large list of stuff that's happening to people that make, make them realize that we're not in this materialistic society. Like we're in a schizophrenic society where most of the people you know and love and yourself have had these experiences, you know, there's something more to life, but we're living in this paradigm that says, no, we're just a bunch of, you know, materialistic, you know, robots. So what about that middle, middle ground, right? The people that are waking up to their own sort of personal experiences. Uh, I think that those experiences at times can be good, but I think there's also a danger of trying to seek out just a mystical experience and not um, trying to be grounded in a coherent worldview and have a basis for both rational, logical analysis of facts and also metaphysics and and intuition and spirituality. I think that all those things kind of have to be balanced. But I, just, I, but I would caution against uh, seeking out a, quote, mystical experience just precisely because those things can be very deceiving. We can, we can feel like we, you know, contacted something or experienced something through some synthetic means like a drug mm -hmm. or a rape. Mm -hmm. like that. And that, that really does dupe a lot of people into thinking that they had a legitimate experience because they, you know— took a bunch of ecstasy at a chemical brothers concert or something like that, which I don't, I mean, I'm not saying that that person can't have had a real quote spiritual experience, but they might've had a demonic experience. They might've had a negative experience, um, which I think is also very real. So, uh, I would say with what some of the, uh, Orthodox fathers say, like St. Gregory Palamas, he can, he cautions people against seeking spiritual experience and, and rather, uh, we kind of already have established uh, means and practices for uh, approaching the divine. Of course, for me, I think that's Orthodox theology, but I would just tend to be uh, leery of those things. And um, I mean, you're going to have enough difficulty and 
you you can have enough spiritual uh, phenomena going on in your life without having to to seek out necessarily some radical event. I, I, in other words, instead of looking at like a single event, I think we need to be looking at like every single day what's going to change my life, what's going to change my perspective, what's going to get me grounded in a you know solid worldview that I can approach every single day to rather than some single life-changing mystical event, which may or may not happen and which may or may not be good. Yeah, that's, that's interesting advice because uh, I've, you know, I mean, I'm sort of more of one of those, more of a spiritual new agey kind of guy than, than, uh, than religious, but I've, I've looked into, and I know enough people that have had personal experiences with um, whether it's like incubus or succubus, or I've read a couple books on demonic possession, like the right and stuff like that. And it really does make me think like, you know, it really does seem like there's something going on. You do have to be careful with, with, uh, mm-hmm. how you approach, approach that other, those other dimensions, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I think those, uh, worlds and spiritual realms and planes are, are very real. Uh, and they're, they're not, uh, to be taken lightly. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't fuck with Ouija boards. No, for sure world. not. No, I, we did that as kids and, did I, were we talking about that on the show, Darren, the other day when I just realized that that could have been around the time we had that ghost experience too? No. No? Yeah. No, that was off on your own. That, that wasn't here. <laughs> so I guess it's just going to amplify then that we could just look at this getting worse until, I mean, at this point, I, I assume from your perspective anyway, we're, we're well past the point of no return. No, I don't, I don't think that at all. I have a, in fact, I have a very, a uh, positive view. Um, hello, is that hello? what you meant, yeah, there? What did you mean yeah, by yeah, the yeah, no like, return? Well, just with the politic politics and the fake news and the division, and it just seems like it's all getting a whole lot worse before it gets better. Well, that may be true, but I mean, I, I look at uh, the history. I mean, I, I I did a lot of history in uh, undergrad and grad school, and on my own, you know, did a lot of historical research and there's cycles in history and patterns in history. So I, I'm not too worried about, you know, the end of the world or any of that kind of stuff. I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Uh, you know, we could have 10,000 more years of all kinds of, uh, changes. I mean, we, we don't have to be pessimistic. Um, I'm certainly not, but, but I also have a religious perspective that, informs why i wouldn't necessarily be be pessimistic but you know i mean i I think truth wins out in the end and the globalist system is uh based on flaws it's based on bad anthropology uh based on darwinism and i think because those things aren't actually true that the system that they try to put into play and overlay uh is eventually going to be so harmful even to the minions of it that it's going to be very difficult to get it into place and i mean even if they have like ai trying to run everything i mean uh, i don't i'm not sure that's necessarily going to work out because i mean you still got to have people running these computers and working on these computers so no i don't think there's any need to be uh fearful uh but that's 
kind of long term, I think uh, for nation states as they are, yes, I think there is a big danger, and I think that they're they're definitely going to try to impose this global technocratic order. But I think it's just going to be so bad for so many people; it's going to be very difficult to try to to try to get across that to, to try to convince everybody to accept their own doom is not an easy order. I feel like there's going to be a bunch of people just going off the grid. Like if it gets that bad, it's just going to be like, fuck this. I don't, I don't want any of this. And they'll just get opt right out of the system completely. I feel like there'll be like a separation or something between the, te- you know, the techies and the people going back to the earth kind of. Could be. Yeah, it could be. I mean, there's a lot of different possibilities, but you know, who knows what, what the future is going to be. I guess, uh, Brzezinski and HG Wells had a plan, but <laughs> You know, it's also partly up to what we choose. You know what I mean? It's not like it's all predetermined. I think that we have choices. And um, I also think that there's a sense in which if people go along with this, they also kind of willingly sign on to their own self-destruction. So I think, you know, you're going to get, you're going to, we're all ultimately kind of going to get what we deserve either way. Hmm, That's interesting. That's kind of like the old... You get the government you deserve. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think he's talking more on a personal level. Yeah, I'm saying like individuals who, you know, choose to not hear and listen to what's true and be wise about their actions and planning for the future and all that kind of stuff and, you know, how they view friends and family and how they treat other people, and, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. I think you're going to, we're all ultimately going to, uh, you know, get our fair, uh, our fair rewards. Yeah. So, Hey, I wanted to, I wanted to get your take on this, but I wanted, I was thinking at the beginning of the show, now it kind of seems a bit, a bit, uh, irrelevant in a way, but it kind of jumps back to Hollywood in, in an indirect way, because since, uh, since this whole political climate has shifted, I've really noticed all these stars, like big ones. I mean, whether it's like Madonna or Bono or Pink Floyd or, um, Who's that guy that uh, from that old uh, band, Darren? Who am I thinking of? Tom DeLonge. Like, I mean, these people are just getting, and even some of the, the the Hollywood stars are just getting really, really hateful. Like, they're are they just genuinely afraid that the infrastructure that they've built their whole you know success on is changing, or are they being negatively influenced? Like, do you see any evidence of like actual manipulation there, or is it just that they're sincerely? scared for their paradigm to change uh probably all the above i think that you're not talking about geniuses when you're talking about you know a-list actors or musicians you're talking about people who have been brainwashed by the subculture that that they've been invested in for for years and for a-list stars they worship their own fame and image and so they're dilute they buy into their own delusions so i don't i don't think that they really maybe some of them understand right exactly what's going on but uh maybe you know some of these people a lot of these people are have their minds bombed out on drugs anyway so they may not even be there anymore uh but i do think that yeah from their perspective they're afraid that that paradigm could collapse whether it actually will or is collapsing is a different question but I think they, a lot of them generally are afraid that, you know, that uh, the liberal world order is not going to work according to their plans and what they bought into. Um, 
I definitely think that that's happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I even feel like some of them, their their message in the past would even contradict their views on the political thing now. Like, I mean, you got some people like whether it's Pink Floyd or some of these other sort of, you know, not really well, not really counterculture, but alternative in a way to the mainstream, and they're just surprising me with their with their hate. Some of these some of these people also could be virtue signaling for to fit into or get work fit into the, the cult in Hollywood or to get work in Hollywood. Yeah. Maybe. So they might, they might just be playing to, you know, get work because if you remember, um, in one of the Podesta emails or one of the WikiLeaks, I forget what, but, uh, there, there was Hillary and the Democrats were actually funding and ordering different programs and messages by Colbert. Right. So, so if you're Colbert and you want to whore yourself out, what you're going to do is virtue signal, signal that you are, you know, pro-Hillary, you know, there's a good chance down the road that you're going to get <laughs> you know, some uh, Clinton Foundation money for the for the uh, Daily Show. We should uh, try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just try it out. You know. See if it goes. Can't hurt. No, it can't hurt. It'll it hurt us spiritually. It'll definitely hurt. Yeah, yeah, immediately. The truth will come out. <laughs> so well, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to head pretty soon. But, yeah, um, yeah. I just wanted to ask you about your uh, future. With uh, I think you got you got a project with Jay Weedner or something as well. I just want to get, give you a chance to talk about that before we before we uh, yeah. shut her down. Yeah, that's um, pretty much being wrapped up in post production. We filmed 17 episodes. I actually just today watched the first episode and cool. it came out really, really cool. I'm really happy with it. Um, super, super slick, professionally done. And that should air pretty soon. Uh, we're hoping, you know, in the next month or two, I don't actually know how far they are in completing all the episodes in terms of the editing and production, all that. But we also are planning to film six more episodes. So the, the owners and everybody really liked it. So nice. that's a good um, so I'm right now I'm actually writing six new episodes for the show, but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, going to be called Hollywood decoded and should be out on Gaia pretty soon in the next uh, month or two. How do you get so much work done? I, I find it unbelievable that you do that. All the, all your shows, your podcasts, your writing, your, but yeah, it's unbelievable. How do you, how do you get it done? Treat it, you treat it every day like a job. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. You have a night, like a, just a daily routine, eh? just hitting the grindstone on it. Yeah, yeah, it is a daily routine. You have yeah. to, and you're most effective from morning to early afternoon, and then you're kind of done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's how that's how it goes. Yeah. And then you jump on podcasts after dinner, I think this and yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have those hours stolen from us. <laughs> <laughs> right on, Jay. Well, thanks for coming yeah. on, man. What where can uh, people just jasonalysis.com, right? Yeah, and uh, to get the book, please don't get it from Amazon. Amazon undercuts authors. So if you would go to Jay's Analysis, and there's a tab at the top. There's also a picture where you can get signed copies of the book from me. Everybody loves it. Uh, 95% positive reviews. So, yeah, just order it from me, and I'll send you a copy. We'll get there pretty quick. And uh, I also offer subscription for four ninety five a month or $60 a year for those who want to get into philosophy lectures, uh, talks, interviews, all kinds of stuff. Nice. Well, right on. Thanks, buddy. I'll put all those links in the show notes. And thanks so much for coming on and discussing all this uh, fascinating stuff. 
Absolutely. Anytime you guys want to talk again, let me know. Okay. okay. Thanks, buddy. Ciao. Have a good night. That was a chat with Jay Dyer from Jay's analysis. Good one. I like it, man. I like all this deep, deep historical stuff from uh, the influencers, you know, the elite, that the stuff that I, we're not really touching on very much, but I, every time I l- listen to some of that, I learn quite a bit. Right? There's a lot of uh, organizations back then engineering us. I feel, I feel invaded. Feel engineered. Like engineered. Yeah, you look a little engineered. Yeah. I feel like I'm Thanks, not. Thanks, buddy. That's a compliment. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Engineered my calves. Oh, some people are worried you're getting sick of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I let them know it's fine. That was good. That was a good. That was a fun one with Jay. There's a lot. Of, like when you start looking at his website and all the stuff he's oh, analyzed yeah. from Hollywood, all the movies and all the crazy stuff in there. Yeah, there's yeah. tons. Yeah, you could spend hours, days. He had one from Clockwork Orange. I mean, I didn't want to get into too many details with him about all the movies specifically, but there's a ton of cool movies in there that he's analyzed and that he's you know done reviews on. Yeah, fuck well, yeah. I was running in Nose Hill Park and I was listening to his show and he was talking about, uh, and he had this other lady and they do it. He's on a Boilermaker podcast. It's a weekly, I think it's a weekly show with four people and they do little segments and stuff like that. It's really interesting. But they're talking about him, him analyzing that Point Break movie and this lady on the podcast is never, like she never has seen all these movies that he's talking about from the early 90s. <laughs> and it's pretty funny. There's some really interesting stuff in Point Break. Do you ever see that one? No. Yeah, really? With uh, Keanu Reeves. I think and... I've seen the new one. Yeah, I saw the new one too, yeah. That was pretty good, actually. I kind of liked it for, for a silly movie like that. That's extreme athletes. Like extreme. <laughs> Just because you didn't make it as an extreme athlete, you don't have to be angry at the extreme athlete. You should have been off the bread back then. Yeah. I don't. I didn't never want to be an extreme athlete. Come on. No, really. Oh, no, yeah. You just fucking I'm starting radiate. At, I wish I was an extreme I'm, athlete. I'm doing it now. Next year, I'm going to do some uh, backcountry skiing. <laughs> that's my that's my goal, to take my avalanche course and do backcountry skiing. So no more of that. 47 years old. Runs. Still chasing that extreme athlete. Hey, I got to do it while I can, man. I won't be able to do that forever. Well, you should have done it fucking 20 years ago. Yep. Oh, well, live and learn. I should do it now then. I'm still injured. Anyway, big thanks to Jay for coming on the show. Um, check out his stuff. Check out his YouTube. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, check out grandmarket.ca slash support for all the uh, different monthly options. Uh, one-time donations you can do there to help keep us going. Doing these commercial-free, uninterrupted chats. Uh, coming at you for free every week. Of course, we did roll out our new sis, our new program where we are rewarding our supporters with a couple shows a month. So I think there's a few sh- six or seven shows in there already. The Black Budget Support Feed. Yeah, Black Budget Support Feed. Do we? Is this where we should talk about what we're planning on putting in there? Maybe like we're thinking about doing a full-on trip report show with, with uh, Darren's and mine and listeners. We should do that in the intros. Should we? Okay. Nobody's listening to this. People Maybe might listen. People. No, I think as soon as the guest signs off, they're out. You think so? No, I think sometimes they like to hear the rundown, but then they so. then they leave. Well, let us know if you heard this part. Yeah. We should play a little secret at the end. Play a whole secret episode, but they'd notice on their... Having a cult, a cult section, a hidden still section. still half an hour left. 
hidden. So yeah, they'll be like, why is there so much snow? They're fast forwarding 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, trying to get to it. And then all of a sudden they miss it. <laughs> wow. There you have it. That's what I'd be doing. That's what he'd be doing. You could be doing it too. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Somehow I built a rocket ship Out of the stuff dreams are made and popsicle sticks Please look at my rocket ship schematics Tell me it can fly to the moon, tell me I'm not a lunatic
Hailstorm damage got you blue? Sunburn get you let down? Well, introducing the new Gem Trails. Gem Trails are a convenient new chemtrail that we plow through your sky to ensure you with the haziest and non-blue sky that you could have. Gem Trails. Choose from our variety of geo-engineered aerosols loaded with toxic chemicals. Some chemicals may include barium, strontium-90, aluminum, cadmium, zinc, viruses of all sorts and varieties, and chafe, which actually looks like snow, but may actually be fibers coated with aluminum, desiccated blood cells, plastic, and paper. All chemtrails can be conveniently customized for your needs. Just ask our friend here, James Cruz. Gem Trails. James Cruz ordered the barium, strontium 90, and the chafe. And the chafe he chose was desecrated blood cells in plastic. Gem Trails. So I'm sitting in my backyard getting sunburned constantly. And I hear this ad come on the radio. Gem trails. Gem trails. And what they can do for you is amazing. For 33 payments of $333. Gem trails. No more sunburn. Thanks, gem trails. Gem trails. Thanks, gem trails. Gem trails. That's right, James. For 33 easy payments of $330, you too can have a hazy sky with zero sun and zero sunburn. With our brand new technology coming straight out of MIT, we fitted an airplane with nozzles and we can come to any area in the world and spray your backyard. Chemtrails. Warning, warning, warning. Symptoms associated with chemtrails include aneurysms, strokes, heart attacks, and cancer. Chemtrails. Other side effects may include irradiated breast milk, anal leakage, jock itch, runny nose, irregular vaginal discharge, glaucoma, heavy metal poisoning, lockjaw, and low sperm count, persistent hacking, coughing, upper respiratory and intestinal distress, pneumonia, extreme fatigue, disorientation, lethargy, dizziness, splitting headaches, elevated arthritis, symptoms, nosebleeds, blah, 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 blah yada, yada, etc., etc., doctors, blah, 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 uh, death. If you want it, we spray it. So get your gem trails today. Gem Call 1-900-GRAY-SKY. That's 1-900-GRAY-SKY. That's 1-900-W-E-F-U-C-K-E-D. Thanks, gem trails. Gem trails. <laughs> <laughs>